It's Oscar season, baby. It's the most wonderful time of the year for movie lovers as the awards season winds down with the last hurrah that is the Academy Awards. So without further ado, I'm your host, Zach Crawford, and you're listening to the Banter Booth's annual Oscar preview show. With me, as always, Sirius XM, NHL Network Radio's talented, brilliant, and BEA beautiful, Jay Khan. How's it going, buddy? That was probably the best introduction that you've given me so far. I, I really appreciate that. And I'll, I'll have to pass it back to you. For anybody listening, <laughs> Zach is the true expert here. Zach is the true movie aficionado. He's the guy that you need to be listening to. Yeah, this is. don't listen to my takes. Listen to his takes. I'm here for a good time. I, I love movies. I'm a big movie fan. As you know, Zach, I, I enjoy consuming mm-hmm. all movies. I love the Oscars. It's like the Super Bowl to me. But uh, like I said, for anybody listening, Zach is the he's the guy that you want to listen to. I'm just uh, I'm just some schlub that likes. Well, as my ego balloons up to enormous proportions, let's just stop while we're ahead here. So, man, like. It's been a hell of an awards season. I've been watching as much of it as possible. I caught the Golden Globes. I caught the SAGs. I watched the Critics' Choice. So I've, I've been all over trying to keep track of as much as possible. Um, and I feel like I've got a pretty good grasp at who the frontrunners are this year. But at the same time, this year is the first time where in a lot of the categories, at least the major ones, it does feel like it could go to anyone. There are multiple nominees in each category that it could go to. There's no clear favorites in the acting categories for once, which is to me something I actually really like because it's it as opposed to some other years when it's really easy to guess who's going to win best actor, or best actress. This year, we've got actual races some actual competition happening. We don't get that very often. So I'm really ecstatic about this year. Maybe I end up with a way worse total at the end of this year as opposed to like last year where I only got like three wrong. Yeah. And well, it, it's true. Like when I look at the the acting awards this year and it makes it, it's so much more fun when you're watching the awards and you don't know who's going to win. It feels like when you get those big, heavy favorites every year, it's kind of like, okay, I'm, I'm turning it on to, to watch the event, but we kind of know who the winners and losers are. The one that really jumps out to me, and I know we're going to dig deeper into it is best supporting actress. Like that one could yeah. go to anybody this year. And there's a few deserving candidates there. So I'm kind of excited to see where that one goes. And we've seen shifts in odds for a while now, uh, best picture wise, you know, we have seen a, a favorite really jump to the front in everything everywhere all at once, but mm-hmm. Hey, maybe we get an upset by the end of the night. And, and as you know, Zach, a lot of the awards leading up to that best picture can really decide how that best picture is decided, right? Like you, you know, yeah. you have a change maybe in screenplay or one of the acting awards and all of a sudden it swings to a different, uh, a different movie. So uh, just a, a great crop of movies this year too. I think I texted you, it wasn't long after last year's Oscars. And I said like, this year has potential to be great for movies. And this was before the summer, like before we even got hit by Top Gun Maverick, which to mm-hmm. me sort of came out of left field. I wasn't expecting it to be that good. And then other movies, movies that sort of came across that I wasn't really looking at. I, I thought overall it was a, a great year for movies. It really was. I echo almost your entire statement, especially the Top Gun Maverick surprise. I don't think anyone saw that coming in and having like a Mad Max Fury Road type awards campaign. And, and that is exactly what it is. I mean, Tom Cruise is being heralded as the man that saved cinema. And so Top Gun Maverick by extension yep. is being the movie that's credited as saving cinema, saving the theatrical experience, you know, there's no way anyone saw this 36-year-old movie coming out of nowhere in 2023 and, and thinking 2022, sorry, and thinking that it was going to be as big of a hit as it was. And and you know what? They proved everybody wrong. And I'm glad it also got some Oscar love for for uh, I think it was six nominations in total, including Best Picture. And and you know what? The chances of it winning Best Picture, I mean, they may be slim, but it's not like really out there that it could happen either. So I really 
That's another thing I like about the t- and the fact that it's ten nominees this year, as opposed to what we always get like eight or nine in Best Picture. We actually get ten, and so I, ecstatic. And I watched eight out of those ten this year. I didn't catch Tar and Women Talking. Those are the only two I wasn't able to. I wasn't able to get. Well, and I, I think yeah, ten and ten is a, a great number because ultimately we know one is one is going to win. But I think it just is the ability to recognize more movies. I think is yeah. great just to say, hey, like I was a best picture nominee. I, I didn't necessarily win the award, but to just be in that top ten, I think is nice for these movies. And I, I think we need to shed light on different types of movies, right? We see foreign films now more often finding their way into best picture. We see it with everything everywhere all at once this year, you know, we're, we're just seeing different types of movies. And now we're seeing some, you know, some action movies uh, get in there as well with Top Gun, uh, which I thought at the time, I remember being in theater, seeing that, and I was blown away, totally shocked. I, I thought it was, you know, going to be kind of a silly uh, sequel all these years later. And I remember thinking when I left the theater, like that was, that was probably the best action movie I've seen in a very long time. Like, could that actually be nominated for best picture? It's not your usual Oscar bait type movie, best picture type movie, but I mean, it's here it's nominated. I don't think it wins best picture, but if it did, I'd be pretty happy. I I thought it was one of those movies that just in terms of a a theater movie watching experience, that's as good as as it gets. And at the end of the day, that's what we're here for, right? We're here to be entertained. We're here to sit in the theater and get blown away by you know action sequences or great acting and i thought uh, top gun maverick was was right at the top of that list for me mm-hmm. i out of all the nominees i would be happy to see pretty much any of them win in the best picture category i do have a i do have a personal favorite obviously it's my favorite film of the year um but like looking at any of them i enjoyed almost all of these films I only say almost because of the two that I hadn't seen, so I can't really say much about those. But every other film that's there, every every film that was nominated this year feels very deserved. I don't think there's a film out of that bunch that I would take out and place with another, with another film. I think stellar lineup. Oh, you know what? I would actually replace one of them. I would maybe get rid of Triangle of Sadness and I would slide Nope in there. I feel like Nope deserved oh. a bit more credit for what it for last year. That was such a great movie. Maybe it's just personal opinion. Like, it's definitely subjective. It's definitely me just wanting to see more Jordan Peele love. Because Nope was fucking badass, man. I When was the last time I got to see a cool-ass desert alien invasion movie? Like, that gave me like, Spielberg vibes. But also was pretty fucking, like, creepy. Like, there were some good horror elements to it, too. So... I, I wonder I if it got hurt from maybe coming out a little bit too early. I was curious if that was going to happen with everything everywhere all at once. Like, it mm-hmm. feels like I was so long ago when I watched that movie. I'm like, wait, was that last year or two years ago? And I'm glad that it's here. I'm glad that it's nominated. And it's, it's a pretty heavy favorite to win Best Picture. And it's going to pick up. There's a few other awards that everything everywhere all at once is just a lock for. So I'm glad it didn't get hurt by that recency bias when it comes to the Oscars and uh, it doesn't seem to be existing with everything everywhere all, all at once. It was such a great movie that it's it's kind of breaking that mold. Mm-hmm. All right. So without further ado, let's just get right into it. I've got best original screenplay up in front of me. I figure let, let's start with with the screenplays, start with those and then we'll get into some of the lesser awards. Not, well, not lesser, but like the short films and the live actions, but we'll start with writing right now. So original screenplay, we've got the Banshees of Sharon, written by Martin McDonough. Everything Everywhere All at Once by The Daniels. The Fablemans by Steven Spielberg and Tony Kushner. Tar by Todd Field. And Triangle of Sadness by Ruben Ostland. I definitely have a pick here. I'm going Everything Everywhere All at Once. Jake? 
I think I'm going to go with the Banshees of Inishiran here, Zach. I, yeah. I think it's it's between those two. Like to me, it's a it's it's basically a pick 'em between those two at this point. I think you're probably going to end up being right with everything, everywhere, all at once, and this is going to be the the stepping stone probably to them winning Best Picture. But I'm going to go off the board here a little bit. It's not too far off the board, but I'm going to go with the underdog in this instance and go with the Banshees of Inishiran. I love this movie. I don't know where you're at with this one, uh, Zach, but I love Banshees. I thought it. So well acted from the entire cast, and we're going to get into to some of the cast and, and the nominees that they have uh, throughout this as well. But a great screenplay, I thought. A, a, you know, for a movie that was kind of depressing, I thought it was such an easy watch. I, I really liked Banshees, so I'm going to roll with that here. I think this is a really close one, though, between Banshees and uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once. When it comes to Martin McDonough, the man like does not he he does not fail at screenplays in Bruges, Seven Psychopaths the three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, and then even yeah. Banshee's been a Sharon. Like, the guy knocks it out of the park every time. He's batting a 1,000 here with his screenplays. So, you can't deny the man's talent, and he has yet to ever win this award. So, maybe this is his time. Uh, I'm only going off of everything everywhere all at once, personally, because I do love this film immensely. It was my favorite film of the year. And I think that Daniels wrote an ins- a very ambitious screenplay that it, I can't even imagine how you were able to read that and just go, okay, now this is yeah. what we're going to do to put this on screen. Um, Cause it's just, it's such, it's just so out there. It's very ambitious. And I feel like they could give the credit for that in the directing, because that is a triumph in and of itself, but they did take home the WGA award. And I feel like that is going to influence the Oscars a bit more. I mean, I don't think Banshee's going to walk away completely winless, so if their one win does happen anywhere, it would be here. But I'm still going to stick to my yeah. guns and say the Daniels take this one. Well, and I think what you said about Banshees is true. It feels like it might end up being one of those movies that's such a great movie that just doesn't end up picking up that much hardware. It gets nominated mm-hmm. for a bunch, but it gets boxed out by some other contenders. And look, that's fine. It was it was a great movie. I I, I hope it picks up something along the way. Yeah. And like you mentioned, this is probably their best chance. I, the the thing is, it goes hand in hand between this award, the the writing award, and the best picture. So if we think that everything, everywhere, all at once is the clear favorite to win best picture, probably needs to pick this one up to to lock that one in. And I think if you see it win this, probably means it's probably going to win uh, best picture as well. But I'm going to roll with Banshees. I'm going to go with uh, my favorite movie here and roll with the uh, <laughs> Banshees of Inisherin for screenplay. All right, so let's move along to adapted screenplay. We've got All Quiet on the Western Front. Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery, Living, Top Gun Maverick, and Women Talking. Um, ah, if I'm going to go with favorite, I would honestly go with Glass Onion, but I don't yeah. think Ryan Johnson wins this award. I think this is where Women Talking pick up the hardware. I think they're also the favorites in this category because they picked up the WGA. I'm going to roll with you on this one, Zach. I'm, I'm going to tell you I'm going to go with Women Talking. I just think it probably picks us up just based on other rewards that we've seen. Um, the one I would watch out for though, is all quiet on the Western front. And it's, yeah, it's the one I'm actually pulling for here. I love, I love this movie. It easily could have been my favorite movie of the year. Really enjoyed all quiet on the, on the Western front. I think for a, for a war movie, like it's, it's sometimes it's really difficult to, to convey your message in a war movie. Right. And, and when you look at it, like sometimes it just gets a little bit chaotic, but I thought there were some mm-hmm. great themes throughout that movie that they displayed and, you know, seeing how uh, the, the younger generation was sort of taken advantage of, right. And, and going to war thinking like they're going to be rewarded with all these great things. And then when you get there, you show up, you're like, man, this sucks. Like <laughs> I'm in the trenches and, you know, all my friends are dying. And it was, 
I, I just thought yeah. they did such a good job of conveying what war is and what it was probably like to be in that era. So I, I'm kind of sneaky pulling for All Quiet on the Western Front here, Zach, but I'm going to lock in women talking as the pick. But in my opinion, I, I think it should go to All Quiet on the Western Front. I absolutely adored All Quiet on the Western Front because I, so view, I, I viewed it as this and well, what it is, which is a horror film set during World War One. Like that is a fucking horror film. The movie is actually so frightening down to like the tank sequence. Yeah. That one is outstanding scene right there. Yeah. And, and I, I everything I, about it. I, I, I just love that the, uh, you know, and like I, I go back to the themes, right. And how, how brutal war is and mm-hmm. talk and, you know, seeing what these kids are going through and, and not really knowing what they're getting themselves into. And then they flash to the scenes where, you know, everybody's pulling the strings behind, right? The, you know, the war generals and and things like that. And I thought that was pretty cool as well, seeing like, you know, these guys don't actually care. And and some of them are just stubborn and want to keep the war going for for whatever reason. And also sort of shows you how pointless war is or how senseless it is, I should say, right? It's just, there's no need for it. And then uh, you end up just getting young people killed uh, in in that movie. So yeah, it it was a terrifying movie to watch, but I thought that they did such a great job of conveying their message that I feel like they at least have a shot to take home this, uh, the screenplay mm-hmm. and even the the ending of all quiet on the western front just to like leave it at this i guess the ending where you're so hoping that that kid makes it out alive and just seconds before the whistle gets blown oh. that the war is over he's stabbed in the fucking heart like take the breath out of me i was speechless i couldn't believe it off oh, it, it but it echoes the statement that you're saying it's how pointless war is and we love a good anti-war film there's a couple brutal deaths in that uh, in that oh, movie, actually, right? A couple, well, yeah, mainly all of them. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, all, all of them are brutal. But in terms of like, you kind of fall for these characters and you start to like them, and then you you know the war is is closing up, and then a couple of them died like late mm-hmm. in the movie, and you're thinking like, man, you just couldn't make it to the to the very end there. But that was the point that they were they were really trying to to convey with this. And yeah, I thought they I just thought they did a really good job as as dark as it was. And, you know, you kind of compare it to a horror movie and at times it did feel that way. Yeah. I just thought they did a, a great job of conveying their message. And to me, it, it really all comes back to the the writing in that movie. And you know what? On top of it, this is also a, uh, a film, a remake, because it's based on the same book of another film that won Best Picture back in 1930. So that just shows you how prestigious this book might must be if it can have two yeah. separate adaptions that, uh, that are completely different i guess in terms of quality and what they present to the viewer and still both be nominated on best picture and their you know respective oscar categories and the one having one best picture like it's crazy i don't know if all quite on the western front wins best picture but we'll get more into that conversation when we get to that nomination those nominees I- I think it's very difficult to make a great World War One movie as well, or it has been. And now we've seen a couple of uh, recent years, obviously 1917 and how much success oh, yeah. that movie had. And now we're seeing it with All Quiet on the Western Front as well. And one more thing, too, before we leave it, it's just you rarely see it from the German perspective, right? Yeah. Like every, the Germans are, are the bad guys. We know that. And it's uh, most movies are seen through the eyes of of the British or the Americans. And you get to see it through the eyes of, of the German. Germans and it are, are the kids fighting from Germany and you know you're not rooting for them by any means but you get a, a chance to see okay the, the kids that were actually fighting in this war 
were they bad people or were they just kind of following their leaders and thinking mm-hmm. like, hey, this is what I'm supposed to do and I'm I'm fighting for my country, right? And it just kind of gives a different perspective of it to say, yeah, they were the bad guys. There were some bad guys behind the scenes, but the actual kids fighting the war, just they were just kids. They just didn't know what they were getting into. And I, I just, I found that angle to be uh, quite interesting compared to previous war movies. Oh yeah, I uh, I pretty much, I agree with everything you just said. It is showing you that there are people on both sides. These are just regular people. They're not all insidious or evil. Maybe the generals or the higher-ups are, but these people, the grunts, the the pawns in their scheme, in their, ah, in their, um, I don't know what word I'm looking for, but basically in their minds, they're just using these people to further their agendas, right? They're just regular people. I agree. They did a great job at illustrating that. Yeah. Uh, anyways, on to visual effects here, which I think it has a clear winner, but we'll list the nominees anyways. Yeah. We've got All Quiet on the Western Front, The Batman, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Top Gun Maverick, and the winner, Avatar, The Way of Water. I think we get, this is like the free bingo square, right? Yeah, this uh, is... Gotta- you, we're not getting shut out. Uh, you know, one of us might do really bad on these picks, or maybe both of us will do bad. We'll we'll see. But I think we're both getting a point here. We're, we're sign me up for Avatar. I know you're going to be signed up for Avatar as well. The, the category makes a lot of sense, though, right? Top Gun Maverick, obviously great visual effects there. Uh, Black Panther makes a lot of sense. We just talked about All Quiet on the Western Front quite a bit, and I'm just glad th- to see the Batman nominated for something, right? I actually really like oh. this movie, uh, Battinson. This is exactly the award you would think that it would get, maybe a sound award, something like that. So uh, clearly Avatar is, is going to run away with this one. I, I don't think we need to break it down too, too much. Yeah, James Cameron didn't work his ass off for the last 13 <laughs> years to be snubbed <laughs> for best visual effects. I mean, the man put his actors under in water in their mocap suits and made them do sign language and he still was able to animate that unbelievable the man's a a maniac and and i love him i you know i watched the movie three times in theaters i was about to see the fourth time i loved avatar the way of water unapologetically it was an amazing movie and if anybody listening to this has not seen it yet i highly recommend going to see it it probably still is in theaters it is. It is still in theaters. I can confirm that. Did you see it 3D every every single time, all three viewings, or did you mix it up? IMAX 3D each time. Oh. I had to see it on the biggest screen possible. Dude, that movie is fucking breathtaking. Okay? And I, wow, we didn't really get to talk about this, but Stephen Lang, bringing him back as the villain, was my favorite thing. I loved well, it. And it's a movie, too, that is, it's there for, it's like, there's other parts of the movie, obviously, like, you can get into the story, and there's, oh, it's yeah. not just visual effects, but that's that's what you're there for, right? You just said it. You went to see it in IMAX 3D, biggest screen possible, because it's supposed to be seen on the biggest screen possible, and it's exactly. it's the visuals that really blow you away. So this this was the category it was always supposed to win. I, I think that this is going to be a, an absolute runaway. Good to recognize some other movies that are at least in the category, but uh, Avatar The Way of Water was built to win a visual effects category. Mm-hmm. You know, any other year, if Avatar wasn't in the conversation Maybe I'd be rooting a bit more for the Batman or I guess Top Gun would probably be the runner up in this category. But I yeah, do love I to see so. Batman getting some nominations. It only had three total and one gigantic snub in best score, which made no sense to oh. me how you could possibly snub Michael Giacchino's score for the Batman. That was an amazing soundtrack that he put together and an amazing theme that is going to go down in history. Like Batman always has. A le- like an iconic theme and Michael Giacchino just added onto his onto that legacy by giving him another badass theme. So 
I think I might have texted you after I saw the Batman and said that the score should be nominated. So I, <laughs> I feel that I've been feel that's that snubs a, a long time coming, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Like the, the very it disappointed me greatly when I saw that the nominees were announced. Probably now it was about two months ago, right? And and Batman yeah. getting snubbed in best score when that was the one category. Like I would have completely understood snubbing it anywhere else, but the two categories you couldn't snub it on were makeup and hairstyling and fucking best score. And it got snubbed on best score, which was just un unbelievable. I was flabbergasted. I, I think it's before. I think it suffered from a couple of things. One was the fact that it's a superhero movie. And yes, yeah. we do see them get nominated maybe a little bit more now with more categories, but I think that hurt it. And I think the fact that it came out so early also hurt it. It's it's the combination of the yeah. two, right? It's superhero and and the fact that it came out just so, so early before the Oscars that I think ultimately it it fizzled out and it's been forgotten by a lot of people. Yeah. And and Warner Brothers is going to choose which horse to bet on when it comes to which nominees they want to put together an awards campaign for. And you can clearly see that they went more for Elvis with their with their ticket yeah. this year. Like they were they were riding Elvis because I think I think that's the only one for Warner Brothers this year. Yeah, yeah so. Elvis. Yep, that's correct. OK. Anyways, OK, moving along here. We both agree Avatar. So we'll move on to best sound here. Best sound. We got Batman again. All quiet on the Western front. Avatar, The Way of Water, Elvis, Top Gun Maverick. Those nominees are almost exactly the same, but switch out Elvis and Black Panther. <laughs> it's like the same nominees in both these categories. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'm, I don't know about you here, Zach. I'm going Top Gun Maverick for best sound. Like, yeah. th- like there's some good, like All Quiet on the Western Front. I th- this is an interesting conversation. I think is the perfect comparable between watching in a theater and watching at home. I saw All Quiet on the Western Front. I just watched it on Netflix on my couch. And yes. watching it, I thought this would have been great in a theater, right? So mm-hmm. if I saw All Quiet on the Western Front in a theater, would I feel differently about the sound? Would I have appreciated the sound a little bit more? Because there were scenes there where I thought, man, this this could be a great like scene. Like I don't have surround sound in my home. I know some people probably have like a great theater room if you've got enough money. I don't have that. But I I, <laughs> I thought, okay, this would have been a great movie to see in theater. Top Gun Maverick, I saw in theaters a couple times and the sound just blew me away. It was it was so good. Like I felt like I was in the jet a couple times. So yeah, I, I got to go with Top Gun Maverick. Are you going somewhere else with this one, Zach? No, I was going to go Top Gun Maverick as well. It was yeah. between Top Gun and All Quiet on the Western Front though. Um, shout out to the Batman though, because of the score, I, it's a little different because this is more about sound mixing than, than the score itself. Right. And, and the Batman did have a, you know, great sound. Even Avatar was fantastic, which is how much is going on, but they do typically like to favor when it comes to this category, the, like, I think Ford versus Ferrari won this. So like the racing movie that was like really loud or, or war movies always typically get this one. So that's why I was leaning more towards both of these movies. And I went Top Gun Maverick because I think they're going to give it something and it's going to be in the technical categories for sure. Yeah. And this, I think this was always the one it was sort of set up to win. And, you know, we just talked about uh, it with Avatar in the visual category, right? It, it feels like sound was such a big a carrying point to that Top Gun movie, right? You know, just the the effects that that the sound has, it kind of like almost goes hand in hand with the visual effects to an extent. So I, I think this one's pretty easy. I don't see All Quiet on the Western Front actually winning. And again, I, I, I comes kind of back to that conversation I, I just said, Zach, where I feel like most people mm-hmm. watched All Quiet on the Western Front at home, whereas everybody watched Top Gun Maverick for the most yep. part um, in, a mo- in a movie theater, maybe rewatched it at home when it came out. So I, I do think that uh, that Maverick gets this one. For sure. And, and 
I think the streaming versus theatrical thing is going to prove the dis- difference maker at the Oscars because this yeah. has been such a huge year for the resurgence of the theatrical experience. And a lot of the filmmakers and auteurs, you know, crediting Tom Cruise and Top Gun for reviving the theatrical experience this year because of the COVID-19 pandemic kind of taking so much there was so much bankruptcy going on and so many theater chains closing down or at least close to closing down there was it was such a bleak space that you know Spider-Man No Way Home last year and then Top Gun this year and then Avatar you know we get these three giant movies in a row kind of saving the theatrical experience for these people I think Top Gun will be more rewarded over All Quiet because there is a general distaste or hatred for streaming movies at uh from some of these filmmakers good point and you were right about ford versus ferrari winning this was back um and now it's been a few years since they've combined the category if you can remember it used to be sound mixing and sound editing we had the two sound categories Mm -hmm. and uh going back to 2019 ford versus ferrari won one of them and 1917 won the other so it's kind of funny the war movie then did did get yeah that one got mixing and ford versus ferrari won the sound editing and now for for two years uh this will be the third year now that the the awards have been combined, that it's just the the sound award, which I think makes a lot more sense. And uh, Sound of Metal won the first time it was combined, and then Dune oh, picked it up yeah. last year. Obviously, Dune won every technical award uh, yeah. last year. So I, I think it goes <laughs> to Top Gun Maverick. I think I'd be pretty surprised to see it go uh, anywhere else. Yeah, Dune was last year's big winner. And then uh, Sound of Metal, just wanted to like, bring that up for a quick second. That was definitely the most deserving best sound uh, yeah. uh, award. You know, I feel like some people in that category might have just been like oh i'm gonna write sound of metal as the winner because it has the word sound in the title but the way that they utilize yeah. sound in that movie is actually genius oh it was unbelievable yeah it was, it was like the one it was the one thing watching that movie i thought like if this doesn't win uh one of the sound categories and ultimately there was only one once yeah. that oscars rolled around then it's just going to be a, a crying shame it was they did such a good job in that movie with it mm-hmm. so okay here we go on to getting into some of the short film categories we're on a live action short film now the nominees are Night Ride, The Red Suitcase, La Pupille, I Value, and An Irish Goodbye. Apologies to those two nominees that I clearly don't know how to pronounce. Uh, <laughs> but but I I was going to go to a an independent cinema that was actually screening all the short films this year. But I did not have the time to go out. I, I didn't make the plans. I wasn't able to go through with it. So I didn't get to check out the short films this year. So I am just going off of what I've heard. And I see Alfonso Curon's name in the in the nominations, mm. but what I've Ooh. heard is an Irish goodbye is the front runner here. So I'm going to go with an Irish goodbye. Yeah, this is a tricky one for me as well. I, I well, Alfonso Curon, that's kind of leaning me towards an Irish goodbye now as well. This is it's it's interesting because when we're doing Oscar pools and you're making these picks, uh, there's a lot of group think with the acting awards and the sound awards and the you know the tech, tech, technical awards and then best picture. Oftentimes a pool comes down to these awards because these ones are the most difficult to pick, right? There isn't really a clear favorite and yeah, your pool might come down to you maybe taking a shot, like taking an underdog down the board a little bit. So I think it, it is a chance to maybe go somewhere else, you know, looking at the odds, uh, the red suitcases in the mix, uh, Le Pupé. I don't know if I said that right as well as also in the mix, but I'm ultimately going to roll with you on this one, Zach, an Irish goodbye. But I, I do feel like this is a chance to maybe go somewhere else and see if you can sneak a point on everyone you're playing uh, your Oscars pool against. Oh, yeah. And and I'm sure I'm sure I might switch it up if I if I get a bigger 
a bigger sense of who I think is going to win right before the show happens. Like I'm, I'm fully expecting that to happen, you know, going into it seconds before it starts and just thinking, I'm going to make a few last minute changes or you get some new information. Like someone tells you, Oh no, this one's really good. You should, you should probably bet on this one. Maybe my opinion yeah. changes, but for right now, from, from, from a person that did not watch any of these nominees, I'm going to go with, with an Irish goodbye. Yeah. I'm, I'm rolling with you on that one. I don't really have, again, didn't see these, but I think I, I roll with the favorite here, play it safe, but we could see maybe a shift in the odds. And uh, yeah, if you're feeling risky, it, this is kind of your, your dart throw category. Oh, yeah. Right. And if, I mean, so there's a, you could just go and watch them, maybe pick your favorite, go about it that way. But this one's always a, a tricky category to nail down. It's, that's one thing I always like about this category is in some cases it is almost like a freebie because maybe you might make a random guess and it turns out to be correct because you just go with the one nominee that sounds like, oh, that sounds interesting. And so you just bet on that in your Oscar pool and then it turns out to win. Or you look into them and you're like, oh, well, well, this one looks interesting. So it's I, I like these categories for the fact that even if you haven't watched them, it might be easy to tell who who's going to win or it just introduces you to something that you should check out later on which yeah. sometimes I sometimes I do. I, most of the time I don't, but sometimes. Anyways, over to animated short film. We've got probably the best titles in any of the nominees I've seen. We've got The Flying Sailor, yes. Ice Merchants, The Boy, The Mole, The Fox, and The Horse, My Year of Dicks, <laughs> and Ostrich Told Me the World is Fake, and I Think I Believe It. Just the titles alone. Can we award every fucking yes. nominee in this category Every, the award like gets... <laughs> they pulled it off like those titles are amazing especially the last two my year of dicks and an ostrich told me the world is fake and i think i believe it there needs to be like a three-way tie here two-way tie yes. between those two I, I the fact that i laughed at my year of dicks just shows <laughs> that i'm still sort of 12 years old even though i'm like 20 years older than that so yeah that still makes me laugh and when i saw it on the board i'm like that's just uh ridiculous but there's, I mean, there's some interesting ones here. I actually very intrigued about Ice Merchants. Uh, it's the mm -hmm. second favorite on the board. Actually, My Year of Dicks is is very much in the mix on this one. Oh. The favorite for this category is the boy, the mole, the fox, and the horse. Mm -hmm. And that's where I'm ultimately going to go with it. Uh, here, Zach, I'm going to take the chalk on this one. But it does feel like, again, one of these awards where if you want to take an underdog, this is probably your spot to do it and see if you can uh, one-up your uh, the, the people you're playing in your Oscar pool. So you said, you know, you're kind of still 12 years old because you heard the word dicks and you laughed. Yes. I heard the word dicks and I'm going to put that down as my choice. Oh, I'm going yes. my year of dicks for short love film it. animated because how funny it sounds. And I know the synopsis for this is about the this woman retelling her how she lost her virginity or how she went about trying to lose her virginity. And just from the sounds of that and the fact that they use five different um, animation styles within this 30-minute short film, mm. I'm going with hopefully the Academy recognizes how different this is to a, um, you know, an approach to a story and a different kind of story that you wouldn't see in animated form. I like that. I like your reasoning on that one, actually. Not only do you have the, the title, like you're going with your favorite title, <laughs> but you think you gave, you gave a really good sales pitch there on, uh, on why you did it with the different types of animations as well. So Hard, hard to argue what you said. And I do think Ice Merchants is live here. I, I was very torn. I almost wanted to pick Ice Merchants, but I'm going to go with the chalk here and uh, the boy, the mole, the fox, and the horse. Uh, do I get all of them? I get the boy, I get the mole, I get the <laughs> fox, and I get the horse. You I'm get covering all, all of them, bases. yes. <laughs> it's all actually right. one. On to production design. So we've got All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar the Way of Water, Babylon, Elvis, and the Fablemans. 
I think there's a clear favorite here, but I would like to hear what you think first. Yeah, I do think the clear favorite is going to be Babylon for this yeah. one. And I, I do think there's some live dogs here, though. Like, I think Elvis, uh, looking at the production design of that movie, to be completely honest, it wasn't my favorite movie. Um, I, I didn't dislike the movie, but I also thought it was kind of, you know, slightly above average, in my opinion. I thought it was held together by a great performance uh, from Austin yep. Butler, and, and he's certainly deserving of his nomination and, and could even win that award. We're going to get into that one. <laughs> uh, so for me, I, I bump Elvis down a little bit. I, I do think that one of its strengths was the production design. So if it was going to win something outside of that acting award, maybe this is the spot for Elvis uh, to pick up some hardware. But it, in my opinion, it feels like Babylon should win this award. Zach, do you feel different? I'm going Babylon. Yeah. Uh, only because I do think that this was wildly shut out in this uh, in this year's awards. I didn't make sense to me until I thought, OK, this is Damien Chazelle doing the other half of the coin. That was La La Land. La La Land being about the pessim the optimistic view of Hollywood and Babylon yeah. being the pessimistic view about how it chews you up and spits you right the fuck out and does not give a flying fuck about you. And I feel like a lot of those Hollywood people might have been watching this going, well, this this movie's very critical of us and they don't, this movie doesn't seem to like Hollywood that much. You know, it's asking you questions yeah. of is all the pain and sacrifice that, that gets put into this art, all this abuse, is it worth it when you look at the final products? And it's an interesting question and an interesting uh, theme that runs throughout the film. And I, I just feel like it should have been nominated in more categories. It, it really only got a few nominations, I think three in total, maybe four. And so I want to see it get some love just to make up for the fact that it didn't get a Best Picture nomination. So I want to go production design for Babylon. Yeah, you bring up a good point there, too, about the theme of the movie being, I don't want to use the word anti-Hollywood, but it certainly shines a light on some of the the negative aspects to it, I guess we could say. And I don't know mm -hmm. if the, the Hollywood foreign press and, you know, some of the, just Hollywood in general really likes that. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense that it maybe got shut out and didn't get the critical response that I think some maybe expected it to. Like when you saw that cast, Zach, you were probably like, oh man, this could be a banger. Like this could be a, oh, yeah. a huge, huge movie, right? Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, you go down the list, uh, you know, it was kind of stacked. And I remember seeing it. I'm like, oh, this could be one of the movies of the year, right? And I watched it. I thought it was good. It didn't necessarily blow me away uh, in terms of best movie of the year, but I thought, I thought it was maybe deserving of a few more nominations. So uh, you bring up a, an interesting point there about maybe the theme of the movie, uh, possibly hurting it with uh, who's voting here. Mm -hmm. Like, I just feel like maybe the old heads and you look at some of the anonymous Oscar voters that the Academy members that actually come out and publicly tell you what they voted for, but don't tell you what their name is so that you can look at their absolute dog shit opinions and just think <laughs> how on earth are you a part of the academy and then you just you realize should get a vote you should you should have a vote in this sack <laughs> that's that's going to be my campaign for the years to get you a vote in the uh, in the oscars you first, deserve one. first step is to end up on the critic circles you know then yes. maybe you know i make a film and then i end up on you know I, I i join a union sag or i join a dga or wga so i'm more involved in these choices that would be great but that's like so far down the line that's like my 10-year plan it sounds but, like a slow process. Yeah. I was just going to send an angry <laughs> slow email. process. I was I was I was going to sound send an angry email in all capital letters. But I like Please. your your idea sounds like it's probably going to be more effective. Because <laughs> I got you got to do the long haul. You got to just yeah. commit to doing it slowly. Or you know you come out of the gates immediately and then you're able to like you're like 15 years old and you make a movie that gets nominated for best picture and then 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 you've got it all anyways to start. <laughs> if only someone was that lucky. Yeah. 
So, so are we both going with Babylon here? Is that, oh, yes. the, is that the play? Okay. So we're both on Babylon. Final choice, Babylon. So we'll, we will move along to the musical categories. And up first, we'll do song. I think there's a clear favorite here, but the nominees are Applause from Tell It Like a Woman, Hold My Hand from Top Gun Maverick, Lift Me Up from Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, This Is a Life from Everything Everywhere All at Once, and Natu Natu from RRR. The clear well, favorite is definitely not to not to. Yes. Yeah. It's been cleaning up. Right. And it's upset. It's kind of funny because you look at some of the the names of uh, people that wrote the songs and, uh, you know, performed the songs in this category this year. And then you see this movie that nobody's ever really heard of, at least nobody in, in North America has heard of. And it's, you know, beating some of these top names and top performers like Rihanna and uh, Lady Gaga. And you're thinking like, what the heck is this? I, I don't know if you watched uh, RRR, Zach. I watched some of it. It's a long movie, but I watched some of it to kind of get the, the gist of it. It's it's pretty fun. Like it's a, a fun, entertaining movie. Uh, I, I think that the I think that the song's going to win. I, I just don't see any way that it goes somewhere else based on what we've seen at other reward shows uh, leading mm-hmm. up to this one. Also, from what I understand, I know Lady Gaga is not going to be at the Oscars because she's currently filming Joker 2 as she's set to play Harleen Quinzel. And I don't think Rihanna's performing Lift Me Up. I could be wrong. But I, I know that they br- they're bringing the people, the two actors in to do Not To Not To live in front of the, the audience at the Oscars. And I feel like, man, we're doing that because they're going to win. And they haven't yes. lost this award yet. So um, this is a clear favorite. Another one of those free bingo squares, you know, free space. I think this one's a lock. Um, I would say my second favorite, my runner-up would be This Is A Life. I personally love that song. But also... When you look at the other songs in this category, I think, except for Not To Not To, because I've watched the scene from that in the movie, all the other ones are just credit songs. They're songs that play during the credits. Yeah. Whereas yeah. Not To Not To is actually utilized in the film. Yes. I, I think that matters too, right? Being uh, utilized. It definitely in the should. Yeah. Like, because I, I remember I going to Top Gun Maverick and knowing, I knew going in that Lady Gaga had done a song for it and i was kind of i was like waiting to hear it i'm like oh what scene are they going to use this in right and it kind of never came and then it happens at the end and i actually think it's a pretty good song it's a catchy song i like it i actually i do think it has a chance i actually think that there's a couple that have a chance here um you know maybe this isn't as as much of a free square as we talked about with avatar and the visual effects there could possibly be an upset here uh, but it's what you said about them coming, performing, uh, Lady Gaga not necessarily being there as well. I think that's going to factor in. But uh, yeah, I like the Top Gun Maverick song, but I, I I think what you said about it being actually utilized in the movie should matter when it comes down to it. Mm-hmm. It's like when you award a musical for best original song, it's because you saw the actors go out of in the film, perform, you know, dance, cho- like choreograph dance to this song or sing it in the movie, right? So I feel like that should matter a little bit when it comes to this category. And typically, I think musicals usually do win this category. So I'm going with Not To Not To just based on that alone, aside from the fact that I haven't yeah. watched the film. And my second choice would be This Is A Life. Uh, honestly, I didn't really care. And I'm going to keep my opinion short on this, but I didn't really care for the Black Panther one. I just, I felt nothing. Yeah, it didn't do it. Didn't do it for me either. And um, I, RRR is actually a really interesting watch. Like I said, I didn't get to watch all of it because it is a, a very long watch kind of, mm-hmm. you know, chop it up into pieces and, and catch a little bit here and there. It's a very chaotic, but fun movie. Like it's just a really fun oh, yeah. watch and there's, there's a lot going on. So interesting. I think the song was good. Uh, and I, I do feel like it ends up taking home the hardware here. All right. So 
that song RRR, we both agree that that's the one that's going to win. We've yes. been, I think we've been uh, pretty similar the last few ones. Okay. <laughs> we've only been different on like two of the awards so far. So you know what? Despite the next one, I'm going to go different from you unless you choose okay. mine again, in which case I won't go different from you. <laughs> so original score now. We've got All Quiet on the Western Front, Ooh. Babylon, The Banshees of Sharon, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and The Fablemans. This was not that tough for me. I Two of my favorite scores of the year are in this category. They would be All Quiet on the Western Front and Babylon. But Babylon's got to win. I mean, I can't go anywhere without listening to Voodoo Mama. That <laughs> fucking song is everywhere. They were even using it in some Academy Award ads. Like, if you're going out of your way to use that score in your ads to promote the Oscars happening this Sunday, that to me says that you think that that score is going to win that category. This is interesting because I, I I agree with you on Babylon. I think it should be the favorite. It's probably going to be my pick as well um, when I actually, you know, roll around, do the Oscar pool. We're, I think we're both upset the Batman isn't in the mix here, but unfortunately yeah. we can't pick it. So honorable mention to the Batman so I think when it comes down to it, when it comes down to the pool, I'll probably take Babylon. But All Quiet on the Western Front is interesting. It's kind of a polarizing theme. I think there's some people out there that maybe found it to be a little bit distracting. I thought it was great. I thought it was kind of chilling and it was ominous and it had this tone to it the whole time. So this this is tough, Zach. I want to mix it up here on our uh, little competition. So <laughs> I'm going to give All Quiet on the Western Front a shot. Let's let, let's take it a, take a shot on it. Like I said, for my actual pool, maybe I do end up going with Babylon. I think it's the safer play, but uh, we're playing some upsets here. So all quiet on the Western front for me on this one. For you and me, we got to go head to head. I, I respect yeah. it. I respect you. Yeah. Okay. So you're going all quiet on the Western front. I'm going Babylon. Hey, man. Honestly, I would not be upset with either of those films winning. So Babylon could win or all quiet on the Western front. Like what you said, the fucking atmosphere that the score for Western front builds with its score is I remember the first time I heard the the big like in the score during the opening five minutes and then throughout the rest of the film. As soon as that happened, I was like, holy shit, whoa. Like yeah. kind of like you 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 if you're not paying attention, you're kind of woken up. And if you are paying attention, you're 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 more zoned in, you're more locked into the film. I I loved that arresting quality to the to the score. And so that was one of the reasons why it was one of my favorites of the year. I think it's another one too that, and I said this going back to a previous category with All Quiet on the Western Front, where not being a theater movie, I think hurts it, right? Like if we heard yeah. that score in a theater with great sound, I think it would have oh would have affected my opinion of it even more, right? So I, I think that, that might hurt it a little bit in this one. Babylon probably ends up taking the award, but I want to give a shout to All Quiet on the Western Front. And I, I think it's close. I think we're splitting hairs between the two here. So I feel like yeah. this one could go either way. You're very right. If I had seen All Quiet on the Western Front in a theater, and I think the only opportunity we even had to do that was one week. I think Netflix gave it one week in a theater. Same thing I did with Glass Onion. And man, so many of these Netflix movies deserve more than one week because I would have, yeah. you know, if I would, if I had actually been free, I would have gone to see All Quiet on the Western Front in a theater because if oh. I had gotten to hear that music there, that would have definitely elevated my experience. In, in my opinion, the, the music's actually one of my, if not my favorite aspect of that film, you know, among other they, things, but the music really does elevate it to a whole nother level. If they brought it back out uh, in theaters, even having seen it already, I would go back to see it just to get yeah. a grasp of the sound again, uh, you know, the score, the sound mixing, everything. And it's, and it is just a good movie in general as well. Mm -hmm. So hopefully I get that opportunity. I would love to see it back out in, in theaters at some point. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, now we're on to 
makeup and hairstyling since we've decided on score. Here we go here. We've got All Quiet on the Western Front, The Batman, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, Elvis, and The Whale. Now, oh man, there are a few here. So this one is one of those categories where it could go to any number of the nominees, excluding Black Panther. I don't think it's going to go to Black Panther. Mm -hmm. But the other four, I feel like, have chances at winning this, especially I, Batman and the Whale. I got it as a two-horse race uh, for me right now. I got the, the Whale, to me, is very much in the mix. And mm -hmm. I'm going to say Elvis uh, as oh, well. Okay. Just Like, when I think hairstyling, I think Elvis, um, you know, yeah, I... There, yeah, there's a lot to do with that one. So, uh, the you know, the whale for obvious reasons, the prosthetics and everything like that, I think that's, you know, really difficult to pull off. And I, I felt like they did a good job. So I'm going to actually go with Elvis here on this one, Zach. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to throw one to Elvis. It just to me, it makes sense. Makeup, hairstyling, Elvis. I'm, I'm just kind of connecting dots in that way. But there's a, a few very deserving candidates in this uh, award this year. You, you you make a pretty good point. I mean, we're talking 50s, 60s, 70s hairdos, costumes. Well, that's, this isn't about costumes, but yeah, makeup and hairstyling, prosthetics. Even when we get to Elvis's older age and we get ugly Austin Butler looking like fat piece of shit Elvis in the 70s, you know, like when he's just completely beaten down and looks like utter garbage on the stage and he can't even stand up anymore. What a great job they did at pulling that, that look off. My God. So I, I'm, I'm with you. I think Elvis is definitely in the category. And, and oh, man, the hairstyling might be what sets it over the edge. I personally wanted to go the Batman because there's no way you look at Colin Farrell in that movie yes. as Penguin and know that's Colin Farrell. Like that is some exceptional makeup and prosthetic work. And, you know, there are tons of other, you know, um, tons of other instances of it in the movie where we get to see good, good makeup. My, my mind is a fucking puddle of mush for some reason. And words are not coming to me, but Batman, I just want to see Batman win one of these awards. Honestly, I wanted to go Batman on this one. And now I'm like, man, maybe I should go Elvis, but I'm going to go. <laughs> I'm just going to change it up completely. I'm going to go the whale. The whale. I see that. <laughs> I, that was, that was my other one. I, the, the, it was, to me, it was between Elvis and the whale. I, I do think Batman deserves a show and Colin Farrell just by it by himself. The, like if, if Colin Farrell was in the movie more, maybe it's just, for me, it ends up coming down to uh, to Elvis or the whale. So you're going to go whale. I'm going to go Elvis. I feel like one of us is taking a point for this, though. Yeah, uh, I'm leaning more towards your Elvis, because as soon as you said hairstyling, I mean, that is the second, the third word in this category, makeup and hairstyling. And I feel like Elvis is where the hairstyling is, whereas the whale, it is simply just Brendan Fraser. Like, yeah, it is just the prosthetic suit that they created for that for him to play that 600 pound man, Charlie. And I, is that enough to beat Elvis, which was like a three-hour film, with its own fat suit on Tom Hanks? Yes. So it's it it it, it kind of looks like Elvis is the f might win this one, and I feel like Elvis does pick up a few awards here. But I am going to pick different from you this time. I'm going to whale. Um, so we've got we've got a couple contentious awards here. I'm I'm, and I feel like things could even change between now and sun Sunday when the show rolls around. So. Uh, yeah, it's nice. We got some actual close awards this year, and I think it's going to make Oscar pools really difficult. And you're going to see uh, a lot of swings throughout the course of the night. It should be really fun. I'm with you, and I've changed my mind. I'm going Batman. <laughs> I'm so all over the place in this category. I have changed my mind. That's my final answer. I'm done. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything else. I, it was too flip floppy. I just didn't want to pick the same as yeah. you. So I'm moving on. Lock it in. 
Yep. Lock it in. Lock it in. What is it? Um, Regis. Was it Regis that hosted Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Yes. That's my final answer, Regis. Final answer. <laughs> All right. International feature film. We've got. Okay. I'll list the nominees, but I think we know who's going to win here. We've yeah. got All Quiet on the Western Front, Argentina 1985, Close, EO, and The Quiet Girl. It's all quiet on the Western Front. Like that's yeah. the it's the award to lose here. If you're nominated in best I think picture, there's no way you lose this award. Yeah, I think it's one of the free squares of the night. It's the set it and forget it. If I mean, if you brought a, we've had this conversation recently too because we have actually seen a lot of international movies now nominated for best picture, and you know, mm-hmm. there's usually one, maybe two every single year now at this point, which is great. I like to see it spread around to international movies, and I'm glad that's a trend that continues at the Oscars. So, yeah, if you're nominated for Best Picture and might could even win Best Picture, who knows what happens with, with All Quiet on the Western Front. I mean, it won the BAFTA. Uh, it's cleaned up some hardware here along the way. I think this one's an absolute layup. If you're not picking All Quiet on the Western Front in this category, you're probably just giving away a point to the field. Mm-hmm. And I think the only other film in this category that has a chance is Argentina 1985, but it's not a Best Picture nominee, and I, that is going to make the difference. Yeah. There's no way a film that has been nominated at international feature film and best picture has ever lost that award. So like, look at um, another round from a few years ago, the Mads Mikkelsen Danish film was nominated oh, yeah. in international feature film, but was also nominated for best director. So you just knew, well, if it's nominated in this other prestige category, it has to win that award. And it does or parasite when it was nominated for international feature film among countless other nominations that night, which they won most of them, you know, it, it just, Come on, it's too easy for that one. So thanks for reminding me of another round, by the way. That was a that was a, a fun movie. I enjoyed that one. That was my eleventh favorite movie of 2020. You know, it weird that I specify it like that. Eleventh. It didn't make the top ten, no, but it was not so quite. good. It was really good. I mean, a great look at like male friendships, but also um, you know, these the uh, like uh, male impetus genre, impotence genre, where it's these guys that want to do more with their life and they feel like they have the answer, so they decide to just get drunk all the time thinking that that is where they're going to find their happiness or how they're going to enjoy life once again. But in reality, that just ends up pulling them into deeper depths than they ever thought possible, mainly because it's alcoholism. Um, You know, who would have thought, but it was such an entertaining film. I really loved that. And Mads Mikkelsen is the king. Well, and just to show too, uh, kind of how global movies are, I think that this category is good. Obviously it shines a light on international films in general, which is great. And we've seen, over the last handful of years, we have seen uh, you know a lot of connection to that best picture category. Going back to 2018, Roma won this. Um, yeah, you know, right. we, yeah, and you know the Mexican movie Roma. Then you get Parasite, South Korea. You get another round, which we just talked about, which was a Danish movie, Drive My Car, which won last year, which That's was a Japanese right. movie. And yeah, and now All Quiet on the Western Front is going to win this year, a German movie. So different countries like every single year, right? It's not like one country is uh, cornering the market on this award. It seems like we're getting a, a real nice blend every single year and a, a new country winning all the time. Thank you for the reminder of Drive My Car. That is yeah. another great example of one that was nominated for Best Picture that inevitably won this award. And it was last year and my mind spaced. So good catch on that one, man. It's all a blur. <laughs> Life is a blur, man. Yeah. My mind, my mind is an enigma. <laughs> all right, moving along to film editing. We've got uh, The Banshees of Anna Sharon, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Tar, and Top Gun Maverick. I think it's between two films here, but I'd love to get you what you think first. This one's interesting. Film film editing. I, 
I, f- I feel like the, this one has to go to everything everywhere all at once. Does it not? It's just the way that it was edited, edited together, um, you know, jumping from scene to scene. Obviously, it was a very chaotic movie. There was a lot going on. It feels like it's got to be that one. I think Top Gun Maverick has a, a legit chance here because, you know, obviously great editing in that movie. You, you factor in sound editing to it as well. There was a lot to do with Top Gun Maverick. And I, I thought that the pacing of Top Gun Maverick to me was great. Like the way that they moved through the movie and they really kept, it kept you in, engaged the entire time, right? That being mm-hmm. said for Top Gun Maverick, you could say that I think times two for everything everywhere all at once. I didn't know what I was getting into when I went to the theater to see that movie. And, you know, say what you will about it. Some people love it. I know you have it as your, as your top movie. I don't think anybody oh, yeah. dislikes it, but I think, you, you know, you, you love it. Some people th- thought it was at least entertaining. I was engaged the entire time. There was not oh, a yeah. moment where I was like thinking about, you know, what I was going to have for dinner later or, you know, what I had to do or work or anything like that. I'm like locked in thinking like, where are they going to take me next year? So I think that speaks to the editing, the pacing of the movie. And I'm going to go with uh, everything everywhere all at once here. So my point with this one is everything everywhere all at once and Top Gun Maverick both won ACE awards, which is the American cinema, uh, American cinema editors awards. Uh, and Top Gun won for Best Edited Feature Film Drama, while Everything Ever All at Once won for Best Edited Feature Film Comedy. So they both won the top mm. award at the, you know, the prestigious editing award show. And now they're both going head-to-head here. So it's definitely between these two. So forget you, Tar, Elvis, and Banshees. I'm going Everything Ever All at Once because that is just so much movie going on. And to hold my attention for two hours and 20 minutes and, you know, I wanted that movie to be longer. I didn't think there was enough, but you look at the quick montages of her going throughout the multiverse, Evelyn, Evelyn's character, as we get those brief glimpses, those quick, edit, quickly edited montages, among other things, like that's a huge standout moment for me. So I'm going everything everywhere all at once because they kept the pace going really well there. And I think it's a credit to the edit. Hey, it rhymed. Yeah. It, it's it's kind of funny too. Like sometimes you just got to trust yourself. I, you know, when I go to these movies, obviously I was wrong on the Batman because I texted you after and I said, you know, this, this has got to be in the mix for, for the score. Or at least I brought it up to you. And I, I thought to myself, like, that's got to get a nom. Ultimately it didn't. But when I left everything everywhere all at once, I remember saying, I, I saw it with my girlfriend. I remember saying that's, that's got to be in the mix for editing this year. Like, I don't care what else I, I see between now and next year's Oscars. That one's got to be in the mix for editing. And thinking back to it yeah like that's it 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 just makes a lot of sense because uh, of you know the pacing of that movie and everything that went into it so yeah it it doesn't feel like a layup by any means i do think top gun maverick could win this award but i i feel like this is everything everywhere all at once is award to lose Mm -hmm. like it's going to be between those two films for sure i think that's a given and we're gonna both go everything everywhere all at once because of our love for that film and just how much movie it is i mean no disrespect to top gun maverick which I mean, it has to inevitably get an, an award here, but we're both thinking sound for that. And so I would have gone cinematography as well, but we will get to that award uh, shortly. But they weren't even nominated in cinematography, and they would have been my choice for that award this year. So mm-hmm. that, that category, we'll get into it in a sec, because that category is fucking nuts. Yeah, one last thing on this one too, Zach. The the odds are closer than I thought. I honestly, I thought Everything Everywhere All at Once would be a huge favorite. And they're a significant favorite, but it's not to the realm where it's like a free square or anything. Like I, mm-hmm. Top Gun Maverick, I'm curious to see if these odds close a little bit because we've seen that with film editing in previous years where it gets tight before the actual award show. So something to follow leading up to uh, to Sunday night. Keep a, a sneaky eye on this one. It could get interesting. 
mm-hmm. I will do. I, it's, it's it's going to only be between those two. So, but yes. moving along, documentary short film up next. Another category where I haven't seen any of these, so I have no idea which one is going to win here. But here are the nominees: The Elephant Whisperers, Haul Out, How Do You Measure a Year, The Martha Mitchell Effect, and Stranger at the Gate. I have not seen any of these. My my choice is going to be completely random. Yeah, so I'm I gonna think go. Yeah, you go. I'll I'll go Haul Out. Haul Out. Haul Out. Maybe I don't know. I'm going with that like one. The- I kind of like the sound of the elephant whispers. That sounds cool to me, you know, yeah. whispering to elephants. I don't know. Stranger at the gate. It's not really speaking to me. How do you measure a year? Seems kind of interesting. Like, how do you measure a year? I, I don't know. I, mean, I measure, should... you know, 365 days. That seems like the best way, right? That's the standard <laughs> yeah. way. 365 days. That's, that's how I've always measured it, but Hey, I'm open to uh, suggestions or ideas. If there's other ways to measure a year. I'm, 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 I'm all ears. Yeah, speaking of yours, though, I'm going to go with the uh, Elephant Whispers here. So. Mm-hmm. so I'm looking this up here. Haul Out is about the, let's see, provides a, I'll just read exactly what this says, provides a very direct look at the impact global warming has on our world and the consequences of our impact on our planet. So there we go. It's global the warming one. That's bleakest, a good pick. Yeah, it's the bleakest. <laughs> wow. The bleakest short in this category. I love the way that they worded that in this article. Credit to Collider here. I pulled them up last second here to to see what this one's about. And I love the word bleak. You know, nothing better. You know, everybody wants to watch a movie that's going to fucking depress them for 25 minutes. I might change my answer because there's no way they're going to award something that's going to fucking make you depressed. Well, my sales pitch for the Elephant Whisperer, it says a couple in South India devote their lives to caring for an orphaned baby elephant named Raghu, forging a family like no other that tests the barrier between the human and the animal world. That actually sounds like my kind of uh, short uh, yeah, documentary. You know, I, I, I think I need to check out the Elephant Whisperer before uh, before the Oscars roll around. Yeah, you know what? That doesn't sound that bad. And it, much more yeah. optim- optimistic. And yeah, like- it sounds nice. You, Sounds feel you good. Want, yeah, exactly. You want to watch something that's optimistic because life sucks so much already. Yes. <laughs> so that's why we uh, watch movies. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Just to escape the endless suffering. Um, okay. So I won't change my my opinion. I'll still keep Hall out because I just randomly blurted it out. Um, so I'll stick to my guns on that one here, even if it's wrong. But I I, I hope Elephant Whispers wins for you, buddy. <laughs> yes. Let's go. All right. Up next, we've got. Feature length documentary. Okay, this one, I there are tons nominated in this category that I've heard about, at least three for sure. Nope, I think I've heard of all five of these. So we've got All That Breathes, All the Beauty and the Bloodshed. What a magnificent title, by the way. Fire of Love, A House Made of Splinters, another great title, and Navel Knee. God, I hope I pronounced that right. Or mm. Navel Knee. Oof. Do, you, do you have a spot where you're going here on this one? I was hoping you would go first. <laughs> I'm I, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with navel knee on this one. I've I've just I've heard more about this one. Um, I feel like it's the favorite. I haven't looked recently, but I think it's the favorite to win this award. So I'm just gonna roll with uh, with that one. But do you have a uh, do you have somewhere else that you're leading here? Are we gonna go head to head on this one as well? I I like movies with like really good titles, and I've also heard a lot of good things about this particular documentary, All the Beauty and the Bloodshed. Okay. Just an absolutely magnificent title. And yes, I'm picking it just based on that superficial reason. I mean, I'm also the same guy that chose my year of dicks. So this is not surprising. <laughs> so yes, I'm going to go All the Beauty and the Bloodshed just on the magnificent title in and of itself. 
but I have heard lots of good things about this. Anyone I've talked to that has seen this has said nothing but good things. So going to go with that one. Interesting. I, I, I like that. When in doubt, you go with the, your, your favorite title. I feel like it's uh it's a foolproof plan. So <laughs> we'll see. I think, I feel like our contest is going to come down to some of these where we're just picking our, our favorite titles. Yeah. Oh my God. I think <laughs> that's exactly what it is considering dicks and now bloodshed. So I'm a sick person. <laughs> All right. So naval knee for you. Sorry. Naval knee for you. And yes. All the blue beauty and the bloodshed for me. Got it. All right, moving on to what's up next on the list. Costume design. Oh, my God. Yes, we know who's going to win this one, but let's go forward anyways. We got Babylon, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, which won when, back in 2019 when Black Panther, the first movie, won this category with the same costume designer, Ruth Carter. So mm. I don't know. Might mean something here. Who knows? Other, other nominees, Elvis. Everything, everywhere, all at once. And Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. Love a title that rhymes. <laughs> that that one is kind of speaking to me a little bit, but I feel like it's it's a big underdog in this category. I don't know if Miss Harris goes to Paris has much of a chance, but it does. It just sounds like a movie that would have some good costume design in it, uh, does it not? So maybe that's why, uh, speaking right? of movie titles, that it gets the uh, the nominee. I, I don't know. I, I feel like you have a, a, a strong pick or a strong lean. On this one, I think it's it's close. I think it's actually between a few movies here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do the same thing I did in makeup and hairstyling and go with Elvis. I feel like if I yeah. like Elvis in that one, I'm going to stick with Elvis on the costume design. I think at times they do go hand in hand. So that's where I'm going. But you referenced Black Panther and the history there. I think it, it's, it could very much. I mean, it won this in 2018. So, you know, why not roll it back again? I think that's somewhere you could certainly go. And I think everything everywhere all at once is also live in this category. So are you going to go with Black Panther to make it uh, two for two in costume design? So I have an opinion on this. I don't think Black Panther wins this award, even though it won back in the, uh, for the first movie, right? But here's my opinion. When a movie spawns Halloween costumes, that should, I don't think that's any criteria the Oscars should take into account, but I feel like just an unwritten rule that if a movie makes you want to dress up as their characters for Halloween, that's usually a good indication that that movie had really good costumes. And this year for this past Halloween, I was Rakakuni and Waymond Wang from Everything Everywhere All at Once because those costumes, very easy. I did the same thing for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I dressed up as Brad Pitt that year from that movie, Cliff Booth, you know? I, and it won costume design. So, you know, this is what I'm thinking. Everything ever all at once. You take a look at the costumes there. Evelyn Wang has a, you know, the red vest. You can think of it very clearly. What she wears, even at the end, the red turtleneck sweater that she wears to the Chinese New Year party. You get Rakakuni with the blue apron and the chef shirt with the blue neckerchief and the blue hat with the raccoon on his head. Like, I did the whole thing for Halloween, man. Like, it's a great costume. And then you've got the dad played by the legendary James Hong, who gets the, who builds, oh my God, who builds an exoskeleton out of a printer by the end of the film. Just batshit insane stuff, right? There's just so many costumes and everything everywhere all at once that I want to go everything everywhere all at once, but I just know all the old heads go Elvis here. So that's that's the end of my rant. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I think I mean you made such a great sales pitch for everything everywhere all at once that I feel like you should you almost should go with it. Um, you know it it's third on the odds board. 
I, I'm looking at it right now. It's third on the odds board. It's not far back. Like it has a chance to actually win this. Um, maybe it's one that you'd actually make a bet on, right? Like mm-hmm. with the with the value that you're getting, if you think it has a chance to win, maybe everything every all everywhere all at once just cleans up at this Oscars and picks up a bunch of hardware on its way to a possible uh, best picture win as well. Ultimately, I'm going to go uh, with Elvis here. Uh, Catherine Martin is the uh, is the nominee here. Uh, and she was not actually nominated back in 2008 for Australia as well. So it's not her first time uh, being nominated in this category. Maybe a chance for her to uh, to pick up a win with Elvis. So I'm going to go with Elvis, but I think this one could go to uh, Black Panther. I think it could also go to uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once as well. So you say that Catherine Martin got a nomination in 2008 for the movie Australia. So not her first Correct. nomination in this category. Also... Another collaboration with Boz Lerman, the director of Elvis and Australia. So there's a connection there. A very there loyal, yeah. a very loyal collaboration. I'm still going to go everything, everywhere, all at once, just because I want to go with my heart. And if I dressed up as these characters for Halloween, that to me means that they created some legendary costumes. So just on that weird reasoning alone, I'm going everything, everywhere, all at once, which is the costume designer's name is Shirley. Oh, God, I'm so sorry, Shirley. Shirley Karada. Yes. You got it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hope that's pronounced first, correctly. <laughs> I believe her first nomination uh, in this, I think. I, I could be wrong on that. So um, I believe her first nomination. So yeah, maybe maybe go one for one. And like I said, like I think everything every all at once is going to pick up some hardware before the, uh, the best picture category. This could be a spot for it. Maybe a little bit of a surprise. Mm-hmm. All right. So moving on from costumes over to cinematography now. Award, an award that Oh, man, I have so many feelings about this award because they did not nominate really anything that I would have considered should have been in this category. Where's the Batman? Where is the Batman? Uh, Where's Top Gun Maverick, the the winner of the Cinematographer Guild Award? So it won the top prize of the Cinematography Guild and then was just not nominated at the Oscars. And fucking Top Gun Maverick had such good cinematography for it to be completely snubbed here outrageous even batman outrageous outrageous man we are nope outraged should have been, nope should have been nominated because they 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 created a whole new type of camera to be able to do nighttime photography where they um i'm gonna forget probably miss tell how they did it but basically they had one camera filming in infrared and then another camera filming you know just normal and then what they did is they just laid those two film prints on top of one another to create its nighttime look so everything in that movie yeah. is filmed during the day but because of this new technology that they kind of invented for this film they they were able to create a new look and like you take a look at those night scenes and the way that though they are lit is unlike anything you've ever seen when it comes to nighttime photography this is um this is usually my favorite category every year or one of them this is one of like two or three of my favorite categories every year so I'm I'm kind of disappointed by the nominees this yeah. year it's it's not getting me as excited as previous years where I usually get really pumped up for this one it's I'm just not feeling it I I know where I'm going with my pick and I'm curious to see where you're going with yours I'm going to all quiet on the western front I think yep. it's the only I think it's the only one that I see here that I think okay yeah, it should definitely be here like even Elvis to me, it didn't really jump out to me as a, a you know a great cinematography type movie. So I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of going. I'm just going to go with All Quiet on the Western Front because I feel like it might be the one, the one that actually deserves to be nominated here. And it's a war movie. I think when when you kill a war movie the way that they did, and I think they absolutely crushed it. Just yeah. like 1917, like 1917 was just a layup to win cinematography back in in 2019. 
I feel the same about uh, All Quiet on the Western Front here. That's where I'm going to go. Yeah, I'm with you on All Quiet on the Western Front. It is probably inevitably going to be my choice here. But I do want to shout out to Tar because I saw a video of a person explaining the cinematography in that movie. I have I did not watch Tar. It was one of the films that escaped me this awards season. But uh, I just wasn't too interested in it. But the cinematography, it looks like what they did with that film deserves a shout out and definitely deserved a place in the nominees here. Um, because it does, it, it would, it, it'll linger on shots that make you feel uncomfortable for just a little longer than you want. And I feel like that's an important tool, you know, behind the camera to utilize because you're getting a reaction yeah. out of your audience, right? But also one of my favorite things in movies is when they put subtle things in the background or, with it, or the way the, kind of what I just said, how the camera will linger in a certain spot or how it won't put something directly in, you know, where your focus would immediately go to the camera, something that's kind of off center or out of focus that's in the background that you're like, wait a minute, what's that? It's like some those cool techniques are utilized a lot in tar from what I saw in this breakdown video I watched. And and I feel like that is definitely just from a technical standpoint, worthy of the nomination. And if it won, I would be happy with that, even though I hadn't seen the film. But still I'm gonna go Western front. Yeah, I think it's I think it's the safe play here. Like when you're doing a pool and and you bring up some great I I think some great tidbits there on tar and maybe why it got a nomination and maybe why some other awards or or some other movies that we thought would have been in the mix ended up getting bumped out. But ultimately, I I just think All Quiet on the Western Front, we know how well it did at the BAFTAs. I don't think it's going to necessarily yeah. do nearly as well here in, at this award show, but I, I just think that this is the one that it is going to pick up. Maybe it picks up a couple more along the way. This one feels like the, uh, the safe play for All Quiet on the Western Front to get on the board. Yeah, you're right. So we, we're settled. I think we'll just move yeah. on from that. It's definitely Western Front. So uh, the next award we will talk about before we get into the five major categories or six. Sorry, I misspoke. We're going to do animated feature film before we get into the heavy hitters. And there's a clear winner here, but I will yes. say the nominees first. We've got Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, Marcel, the shell with shoes on, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, The Sea Beast and Turning Red. Usually this is the obligatory Disney category because Disney's won. Yeah. I wrote this down. Disney's won 15 out of 23 times in this category. Wow. So kind of an unprecedented lead that it has here. But they're only nominated this year for Turning Red, which is an OK movie. And you know what? Respect, because it also takes place in Toronto. It's a Canadian, you know, yes. a lot of Canadian culture is, is in there. So respect to that, because you don't get to see a lot of Canadian stuff in the conversation. And this year we've got Turning Red and we've got Sarah Pauly for Women Talking. And I think we're going to get our Canadian win when Sarah Pauly picks up the screenplay award. So yeah. here it's going to go to the movie that, in my opinion, was the second best movie of the year last year. Right. You know, if everything everywhere was, if everything everywhere all at once hadn't come out last year, Pinocchio would have been my favorite movie of the year. That movie made me curl up into a ball and die. I bawled my eyes out. I was a, I was a, I was a babbling buffoon, man. I <laughs> tore me apart. I was by myself. I saw this movie in a theater. Netflix did the one week release thing. I had the time off. I was able to go see it. I was the only one in the theater, completely empty theater, oh. completely freeing experience to completely lose your shit during a movie. By the way, I felt so free to cry and I was just a mess during the last 45 minutes of that movie. It was hard not to cry. If I was trying not to cry, I would cry even more. And so this movie has to win just because of how much I cried. 
Well, it's going to win. You're going to get your wish because I believe, I think it might be the biggest favorite of any award based on odds going into this one. Oh, yeah. Like this, we, we've used the term free square a few times already. This is the <laughs> free square. I don't, I just, I don't see it going anywhere else. They might as well just take it off the board at this point because uh, it would be a huge upset if any, anything else uh, won. So is he a, a real boy? Uh, what, what's your, what's your final verdict on that? Is he indeed a real boy? Oh, dude. I think what was the most important part about this movie was that it was less about him trying to be a real boy because in his mind, he was just a boy and it didn't matter. And it was less about him trying to change for the world and more about how the world should change to accept him. And I feel like that's such a different approach to a Pinocchio movie that just it opened up my heart so much more because it was a different way of telling that story as opposed to all the Disney adaptions that were all about how he should conform to society standards and how he, he should be like everybody else. So... This movie, just all on its own, about how they took the, the this story and made it brand new and and sh- uh, shine a different light on it. And Guillermo del Toro, the craftsmanship on display at tackling his first stop motion feature film. Beautiful work, beautiful work. I, I think the combination of it being an older story, right? A story that everybody's familiar with. Everybody, you know, knows Pinocchio and or grew up watching mm-hmm. the movie or sort of knows about it. And then you throw Guillermo del Toro in there as well. And obviously a different spin on it. The creativity on display here to sort of mix it up and obviously take a bit of a different angle from an old story that we already knew. Yeah, I think that alone uh, deserves the win or at least deserves the nomination. And then putting the whole movie together, it 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 feels like this one's as big of a layup as as we can get at the uh, award show. Yeah, for like from all my research, they have yet to lose an award for this category. Like Pinocchio is just yeah. the favorite this season. Um, so here's some fun facts for you that I'll just throw at you. It'll be it'll it will be the first stop motion feature film to win this category since Wallace and Gromit: Curse of the Were wow. Rabbit did back in 2005 it would also be netflix's first win in this category after being nominated every year since 2019 which was their first nomination in this category they also have two in this category they have pinocchio and they have the sea beast nominated here so netflix has two which is one more than disney fuck you disney we don't need you winning again and that's you know that that's basically it it's the clear favorite and those are my fun facts here so, and I love this movie and I love Guillermo del Toro. He's one of my favorite directors. So respect to del Toro. The man can do no wrong in my eyes. This is always a, an interesting category. Uh, it's also always a category where I feel like we end up with a big favorite every year. I could be wrong on that when we go back, but I feel like every year there's one animated movie that everybody is just like, yep, that was the one. Like that was the movie that was the best oh, yeah. animated movie of the year. And yeah, there's some other good nom- nominees, but like when Soul won a couple years ago and Canto won uh, last year, you know, Toy oh. Story 4 won, went into the Spider-Verse one. I I think oh, uh, yeah. Spider-Man, Spider-Verse was one of the biggest favorites that year as well. I think Coco was a huge favorite when it won as well. So yeah, I think there's a bit of a theme here that there's, there's one that just kind of breaks through, whether it's because it's just really creative or or it has a great story or, you know, it tugs at the heartstrings. There always seems like there's one animated movie every year that just is uh, way better than the rest. You brought up like my least favorite win, which was Encanto from last yeah. year. I, yeah. sh- I fucking did not want that movie to win. And on all my Oscar, you were a Mitchell's in the I, machines I, guy, right? Exactly. Yeah, I exactly, remember. man. I was 
they were on all my ballots. I was like, Mitchell's versus the machine has to win. And I remember yeah. how heartbroken, dude, my heart fucking sank <laughs> when Encanto, the fucking Disney I want a recount. Won. We demand a recount. Yeah, like fuck you. They didn't deserve it. They didn't deserve it. I don't care what anyone says. Encanto did not deserve that award over fucking Mitchell's versus the machines. I don't care what anyone has to say. Also, looking at those nominees, three of those nominees from last year were Disney films. Fuck that. Oh my yeah. god. Well, Pinocchio's winning this one. Yeah. Guillermo's getting one. And uh, I think I think we're again, we talk about not getting shut out in the Oscar pool. You can't get shut out. This like it's it's impossible. There's a couple of free squares here, and this is one of them. So just do yourself a favor, write this one down and take your free point. Exactly. Yep. You can't go wrong with Pinocchio here. And also you can't go wrong with watching it now on Netflix. Anyone that's listening right now, if you haven't watched it and you like maybe you don't like crying, I say you should cry and you should check this out. So everyone needs along. a good cry every once in a while. Doesn't hurt. Everyone needs a good cry every day. You know, be like me. Cry right before you go to bed. <laughs> Just get it out. Just get it out. You you have to. It's like um, I'm gonna. You know what? I'll I'll leave this remark for later. Moving on. <laughs> Supporting actor because I wanted to get this one out of the way because it's another easy one because only one actor has pretty much won every award this season. But we'll get into the nominees are Brendan Gleeson, The Banshees of Sharon. Brian Tyree Henry for Causeway, Barry Cogan for the Banshees of Inisherin, Judd Hirsch for the Fablemans, and Ki Hoi Kwan for Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. There's a free square here as well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Ki- <laughs> yeah, Kiwi Kwan is going to win this award, and I hope that Harrison Ford comes out and uh, delivers the award to him because he's the kid from uh, from Indiana Jones. I, I don't know if that's actually going to happen, but uh, I've actually been watching a little bit of Harrison Ford's show on uh, on Apple Shrinking? TV. Shrinking, yeah. I have to, Hell I have to yeah. Yeah, I checked that out recently. It's it's funny. It's got like it's a good feel good show. It's it's got some humor to it. It's got some interesting themes, and, it, and Harrison Ford obviously kills it as well. So yeah, maybe, maybe we can get Ford out there to bring the award. I think he'd be a cool presenter for this one because I feel like everybody knows who's going to win this. I, I mean, Kiwi Kwan's been cleaning up, and he's obviously very well deserving of this award. I, I just want to shout out a couple others. You know how much I like mm-hmm. Banshees. I, I really yeah. love that movie. And there's two nominees from Banshees in this category. I, I don't know if you have a favorite between the two Banshees. Um, ultimately, neither of them are going to win this award, in my opinion. But I love Barry Keoghan. Like he was, yeah. his character was awesome in that movie. And I, I, I thought he did such a great job. And a few of those scenes were probably the standout scenes of the entire movie. Not, not to take anything away from Brendan Gleeson. I thought he was really good as well. I just thought Barry had to do a little bit more. So I would give the nod to Barry out of the two uh, Banshees nominees here. But ultimately, I think we know where the uh, actual award's going to go. Yeah. Kihoi Kwan's going to definitely win this award short round. And I like your thought that Harrison Ford should come out to deliver yeah. this award to him. I feel like that would be too showy. And it would kind of seem like, do you guys know who the winner is? Like you're having Harrison Ford come out and do this. It just seems kind of weird. Right. Um, it would be a nice, like, of course, it'd be a cool thing to see to watch them hug on stage and have like a huge reunion moment. And just to see Harrison Ford smile. Who doesn't want yes. to just see that man smile? I do. Yeah, exactly. I want to see that man smile. He never smiles. I want to see it. So that would be a very nice sentiment to have that happen. I would go Barry as well if I'm choosing either of the Banshees characters because um, he just did a phenomenal job. Brendan Gleeson okay. was, I mean, yeah, I'm not going to downplay his performance because it was great as well. But just that monologue that you get from Barry at the uh, one of his last scenes in the film with Siobhan is oh, yeah. heartbreaking. You know, there goes that dream. You know, you, so you see good. that you see that clip everywhere. That people ran with that. He won the BAFTA too. So, you know, 
I that might end up being wins the, clip, the award, like, but when, when you talk, when we talk about clips for, you know how they show like a, a 10 to 15 second, 20 second clip at some point during the award show of the movie. Like that's the clip I would show from the, from Banshees. Yeah. I know it doesn't feature either of the main characters technically, but I thought that was probably one of the best scenes and just kind of spoke to what that whole movie was all about. Mm-hmm. For Brendan Gleeson, I would, I got, I got to go with one of the ones where he's saying, are you fucking stupid Padre? <laughs> just please, for the love of God, give me like one of those scenes where he's talking about how fucking stupid Colin Farrell's character is. I- I, I want this. I hope this movie picks up something along the way because it was actually so good. I I just oh. I think it's going to end up getting boxed out so many of these categories. It's going to end up with a lot of nominations. But I had so much fun. I know a lot of people talk about it as this like depressing movie, and obviously there depressing. was a lot of depressing tones with the movie. But I I was honestly laughing like the entire time. Not that I was making light of the the situation, but I just thought they did such a good job of keeping it light. And I didn't think it was a difficult movie to watch at all. And I I just I really enjoyed it. I thought it had some good humor along with uh, the you know the undertone of of sort of a depressing theme. Jenny Jenny the donkey is the heart and soul of that film. And yes, and, and you know gets gets to be a part of one of the funniest lines when Colin Farrell's sad. And he's sitting alone in his house. And he's like, I'm not putting me fucking donkey outside when I'm sad. Okay. <laughs> just i need to see great this line delivery see man i need to watch that again it's so good it was like the third time i watched that movie i started to realize the greatness behind it like it's one of those movies where the more you watch it the more you appreciate it like it's yeah. great on first watch and then it's even better with each subsequent watch so um banshees deserves so much more love than i think it's going to get this weekend because i don't i just don't think it's going to win anything and i think that's a real shame yeah. Yeah. It's tough. I feel like this happens sometimes where you get a movie that is recognized a lot in terms of nominations and is, is, you know, is there everyone's, it has its representatives, but there's just one movie in every category that kind of boxes it out. So it's unfortunate. We're probably not going to get to see it on stage very much if at all. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're still here to give it props. Yeah. And I think credit to Judd Hirsch playing the uncle in the Fablemans. He did a great job, but he's only in the movie for five fucking minutes. Yeah. The better supporting actor. Okay, there were two better supporting actors in this film that I would have given the nomination to. First off, obviously, Paul Dano, which did a phenomenal job playing Steven Spielberg's dad, Bert. Uh, I think it was Bert Fableman. Yeah, right? I think that's correct. Anyways, he played the dad. And I think there was just so much heartache there, and there was uh, so much there was so much more dimensions to that character. You, just, you got to see him at his best, but you also got to see how his strengths were also his weaknesses at the same time and how he yeah. was able to portray both of those things in those capacities in the performance itself. Like he deserved so much more recognition than what he got Paul Dano. And, and honestly, what, what would have been my personal pick here would have been Seth Rogen for the Fablemans playing the guy that cuckolds Paul Dano's <laughs> character with Michelle Williams, you know, he's getting his payback for what happened in Take This Waltz, you know, yeah. Sarah Pauly's Canadian film where he was the one that got cuckolded by Michelle Williams. So here we go, man. Seth Rogen deserved more credit for his performance in that movie because I, while I was watching it at TIFF, I just, I was more blown away with Seth Rogen at how much I, I could just, how much of his performance just shedded away what you perceived Rogen as and more of who his character was. You know, everyone loved Benny, man. I love Benny. I fucking hated seeing Benny go. Seth, he, he would have been a great one just to throw a nom, a nom to as well, right? Because ultimately, none of these others are going to win the award. We know where it's going anyways. It just would have been kind of cool to have Seth there, right? In the mix, nominated for mm-hmm. something like this. It'd be a good stepping stone to maybe a legit Oscar uh, nom in the future. Yeah. And I, he was, I don't think he was ever nominated for that Steve Jobs movie. But worth looking into 
because now I'm kind of curious. Was he nominated for, for Steve Jobs along with Michael Fassbender? I, 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 for some reason, I don't think he ever was. But my mind's telling me he, he was. I think my mind's just playing tricks on me. Uh, no, he was not nominated. Okay. Okay. Well, that makes sense. I didn't think he was, but I want, I was holding out hope that maybe he was an Oscar nominee before, but I feel like that'd be a much bigger deal if he was. Yeah. It, it could come in the future. I, I feel like uh, that could have been the stepping stone to him maybe getting some more mm-hmm. serious roles here down the down the, the line and, and possibly getting a nominee somewhere. Yeah. You know what? If Steven Spielberg can watch you in a stoner movie and be like, yo, that looks like the guy I want to play the person that fucked my mom. Yeah. And that's perfect. That's perfect, man. You got Steven Spielberg on your side. Yeah. You're, you're good to go. I, I feel like Seth Rogen, we're going to see that guy get nominated for an Oscar at some point in his life. I don't yeah, know how, but for something. He's never he's never really won anything. I I, I looked it up. Five primetime Emmys, three Golden Globe noms, but no wins for uh, for old Sethy boy. So I'd love love to see him get something at, mm-hmm. at some point. All right, I think we're going to move along to one of the hardest categories of the night, one that I'm sure there'll be a lot of back and forth between us at, and that is supporting actress. Oh, yeah. This this one could go. This is a four horse race, man. So the nominees yeah. are Angela Bassett, Black Panther. Hong Chow, The Whale, Carrie Condon, The Banshees of Anna Sharon, Jamie Lee Curtis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and Stephanie Sue, Stephanie Shu, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Oh man, I do I have to go first on this one? This this is so hard. This is I mean, so hard. Hey, I'll, I'll give you some time. I'll give you some time to think about it because I got some notes here. Yeah, you so, go. This one is going to be the hardest one because this is the most open category of the year. You know, this could go to any number of the deserving nominees. Carrie Condon obviously won the BAFTA. Angela Bassett was the perceived frontrunner, and she won the Golden Globe and a lot of the earlier major awards. But then, you know, the steam didn't hold up, and now other people have been picking up all the awards since. Jamie Lee Curtis won the SAG Award. And how many times has the SAG Award not lined up with the Oscar? Only like once in recent memory. Only once. And Stephanie Hsu won the Independent Spirit Award. Stephanie would be where I would go in this category because I feel like over Jamie Lee Curtis for this movie, Stephanie had the better performance. She got to play the, you know, Jobu Tabaki. She was the villain. She was the daughter. She got to express a, a, a wider range of emotions. And she got so much more depth and stuff to do with her character as opposed to Jamie Lee Curtis, who this, this feels like just her finally getting recognition for all the work that she's done in Hollywood up to this point. And it's much deserved. Jamie Lee Curtis doesn't not deserve this. And she's been campaigning her fucking ass off for this. So, I mean, if anything, she's earned it just on how hard she's been campaigning for this. And I'm going to go Jamie Lee Curtis only because she won the SAG. And I feel like just what a moment to see Jamie Lee Curtis finally get, you know, this big piece of recognition that she's, you know, she's 64 years old. She's been in this business her whole life. Her mom was Janet Lee. Like, this would be a big moment for her. And I just feel like if I got to see her accept that award on stage, it'd be a bigger moment for me than watching Angela Bassett win or Carrie Condon or Stephanie Shu, even though Stephanie was the better performance in the film. So I had two here that I, I really am torn between. I'm still torn between. And I think when I get roll around to Sunday and I may make my picks for my Oscar pool, I'm still going to be undecided and I, I might change my mind. So the two for me are Jamie Lee Curtis, who you just laid out. And I mm-hmm. actually thought... When I went to see that movie, I was blown away. I, I thought she was so good. And I love Jamie Lee Curtis. She's obviously been around for a long time. We know her work. And I thought, man, that was such a cool role for her. She killed it. It was, you know, an interesting role. It wasn't what I was expecting. And I thought she brought a lot of humor to it. It was, it was really cool. C- Carrie Condon for me as well. I think she's just kind of falling in the shuffle here. 
you know how much I like the I like Banshees. I actually think this is their best shot. I think that this is their best shot to get something with Kerry Condon. Um, I, I'm having such a tough time not picking her because I do want them to win something. And I thought she was so good in that movie. She was so funny, uh, so well acted. So I want to pick her, but Zach, I'm ultimately going to go with Jamie Lee Curtis. I, you know, <laughs> well, yeah, with the campaigning and everything like that, it, it feels like a lifetime achievement award almost in this instance, right? It's a, not to say that her performance wasn't great. It was great. She deserves to be here 100%. But I think if we're splitting hairs between three or four women here that are all deserving, maybe the tiebreaker does end up going to the person that's had this great career that maybe hasn't been recognized enough. So that's why I'm going to go Jamie Lee Curtis. It's a really difficult choice. I could flip flop before Sunday, but lock me in for JLC at the moment, <laughs> but I I'm, I might flip to Carrie Condon before Sunday. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm going JLC. So this is, it's amazing. We still lined up here, even though this yeah. is a much more wide open category. I actually thought we would have different choices, but I'm, a, I'm okay with it. I mean, we're both going Jamie Lee. So, and, and you know what? Yeah, what we said, she's campaigned her ass off. So if she gets it, it's deserved just on her campaigning alone. And she's been so fun Angela, to watch on the circuit. Yeah, and Angela Bassett, too. She, I mean, she was the favorite for so long. I felt like in this, like she was expected. I think at one point she was a massive favorite. Oh, yeah. To win this award, right? And now she's slipped. Like she's basically co-favorite or maybe even second favorite, depending on where you look. Those always terrify me as someone that's probably not going to win the award. I think once you start to plummet, it's really hard to go back in the right direction. So that's why I think the steam gain from Jamie Lee Curtis or the steam gain from Kerry Condon is going to be enough for one of them to take home this award. I think the Angela Bassett nomination here is uh, I'm going to compare it to a nomination from 2016, which is Sylvester Stallone for Creed. It's a movie with a fantastic performance from Sylvester Stallone. Angela Bassett, you know, gives it her all in Black Panther Wakanda forever. And I feel like it, it just it was the same trajectory. It looked like Sylvester Stallone was the clear front runner at the beginning of the awards race until he inevitably lost to Mark Rylance out of nowhere for Bridge of Spies. Just made yeah. no sense. And, you know, Angela Bassett, I think she's having the same trajectory of it seems like she's the Stallone of this year. We think she was going to win and then she inevitably doesn't, even though she did give, give a really good performance in that film. Yeah, I I think that's what it, that's what happens, right? Sometimes we I've talked about this on our previous Oscar shows, right? You don't want to peak too early yeah. in the eyes of the voters or in the eyes of the betting public, and I think that was the case for Angela Bassett. I think she just peaked a little bit too early. That's not to say she she couldn't still surprise and win. I think now we're talking about it as a bit more of a surprise as it would have been a couple months ago. But I just see her continuing to slip, and I I feel like Jamie Lee Curtis and Carrie Condon are just picking up too much steam at the moment. Yeah, so. So our final answers here, JLC. We'll final move answer. On. Lock it in, Regis. There we go. Lock it in. Final answer. All right, moving on to best actress. Mm. And this is another hard one because it's a two-horse race now. We've got the nominees are Kate Blanchett. <laughs> I just pictured uh, Quentin Tarantino saying that at the Golden Globes when he's like, Kate Blanchett. <laughs> Now, now I'm not going to get that out of my head. Okay, moving on. Yeah. Anna de Armas for Blonde. Uh, Andrea Riseborough for Two Leslie. Mm. Michelle Williams for The Fablemans. And Michelle Yeoh for Everything Ever All at Once. It's really the battle between Blanchett and Yeoh. But who do you yeah. think? And it feels weird that we don't have like a Francis McDormand or an Olivia Coleman this year, right? Like, the, I feel like those two oh, yeah. have kind of dominated this category for so long, whether they're nominated or they win it. Uh, always one of them is in the mix. So... Ah, this this one's tough. Like Kate Blanchett's won this award before, so there's some history. It's not like a situation mm-hmm. 
that, okay, uh, and she won for Blue Jasmine back in 2013. She was nominated again in, in 2015 for Carol as well. So uh, she's been sniffing around a couple of these and it's not one of these situations where, okay, Blanchett's been nominated a bunch. Like we need to get her, her award. She has won it. That being said, we have seen multiple winners before, right? Francis McDormand has won a couple times here recently in this category. So they're not afraid to give it to the same person twice. Mm-hmm. I think Michelle Yeoh goes in as the favorite. I feel like that's where you're going to go with this one, Zach. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see what you end up picking. But I'm going to go with Kate here. I'm going to go with Kate Blanchett uh, because I think she had more to do it's it's so tough because Michelle Yeoh was obviously the lead in that movie and did such a good job, but I think Kate Blanchett really drove Tar. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with her to pick up uh, yet another Best Actress uh, award here. You know, fun fact here between Kate Blanchett's character and Michelle Yeoh's, both characters in their respective films were both originally written for men. Uh, Michelle Yeoh's yeah. part obviously originally written for Jackie Chan before he turned it down. Um, so very funny that the two favorites here were roles originally conceived for men. And then women just knocked it out of the park. And I think, you know, Michelle Yeoh, way better than Jackie Chan could have been in that role. Jackie Chan could have done the moves, but Michelle Yeoh was my, yeah. you know, has my heart. So Michelle Yeoh kicked Jackie Chan's ass. I think what is ran circles around what his performance could have been. And I'm going Michelle Yeoh. You were right. I'm not going to go Kate Blanchett because she's won twice already. She's been nominated seven times. I don't think she wins again. But then again, I didn't think Anthony Hopkins was going to beat Chadwick Boseman a few years ago. So obviously, I'm open to being wrong. But I think Michelle Yeoh wins. Yeah, I think it's it's between the two for me. I I don't see it going to any of the other three. I feel like this is a, a true two-horse race now between Kate Blanchett and Michelle Yeoh. And I, I'm very curious. Like, I, I don't feel confident really on either side here. I am picking Kate Blanchett. I feel like I felt like you were going to go Michelle Yeoh. So I, I kind of want to go head to head on this one. So we don't agree on all the uh, <laughs> the actress or acting categories and best picture. So that's why I'm going to go with Kate Blanchett. But I don't feel that confident in it. I, I think Michelle Yeoh, very deserving. She blew me away in that movie. If she wins this, I will I will be clapping. I'll be very happy. I'll be mm-hmm. excited for the speech. So I'm looking forward to this one. I'm going to go with Kate, but uh, would be very happy to see Michelle Yeoh win this thing. Did you imagine just a, a an absolute major upset would be Andrea Riseborough, who you know snuck in the oh. nomination? If she had won the whole thing, that would absolutely blow everyone away. Like I think then you'd have yeah. you know investigations going into how the fuck did this happen? Yeah. How did she get the nomination? And how the fuck did she beat Michelle Yeoh and Kate Blanchett? I think people would just be losing their minds. I don't think there's any chance in hell that she wins, but I bet you the uh, the betting odds would be if she does win, ginormous payout. Or like Anna de Armas to come out. I think almost any of them, like Michelle Williams even to win. I feel like all of those would be huge surprises. I, I just think if it's anybody other than Kate Blanchett or Michelle Yeoh, I would be totally shocked. But hey, we've seen crazy things at the Oscars before. We've seen them keep some secrets. And I think sometimes it happens in the acting awards. So maybe we do see a, a big shock at a left field. But uh, oh, yeah. ultimately, I think it comes down to Kate or Michelle here. I mean, you did say Olivia Coleman before, right? Fantasy of Dorman and Coleman are such they're going to win for this well, category, one them, right? One of them's going to win without even being nominated. Yeah. Like they're just going to go up there and say like, <laughs> oh, Olivia Coleman did something this year. So uh, Olivia was- Coleman for Empire of Light. You're like, that wasn't even yeah. nominated. What are you talking about? Yeah, that that's what's really going to happen. Yeah, it's going to where can I bet on Coleman or McDormand, even though they're not actually nominated? You know, that's how I felt when Olivia Coleman won back in 2018 for the favorite. I was blown away because I was like, what the fuck? She was the actress in that film. She was the lead actress. I thought she was a supporting when I saw it. And I, I didn't thought like- she was supporting, too. I was so blown away when she won lead. I wasn't nuts about that movie personally, but I felt like she, and she was 
good. Like she was obviously she's a great actress, so she deserves her nominations when she gets them. But oh, I, yeah. yeah, I didn't understand how she was the lead in that one. I guess maybe because the movie was like centered around her character and based around her character, but I felt like she was only in it for like ten minutes. It felt like she was supporting the performances of Emma Stone and Rachel Weisz. Yes, like yeah. very clearly. Because those two were the predominant characters we saw throughout the film. Like we saw those two on screen way more often than we saw Coleman. Like I feel like Coleman's win for the favorite would be like what Michelle Williams' win would be like if she won for the Fablemans this year. She's clearly not the lead actress in that film, but she's going to win for lead because they put her in the category. It's just weird. Yeah. Yeah. And like we see usual suspects in this one, I feel like every year. Like we just we're talking about a couple of them in, in Coleman and McDormand that you know, I've either won multiple times or been nominated multiple times, probably going to be back next year or the year after that, whatever movies they end up doing. Mm -hmm. We see it with Kate Blanchett as well, but we're seeing some, uh, some fresh blood this year, right? Michelle, Yeoh, yeah. uh, Riseboro, Anna de Armas, like some new names that we're not used to seeing in this category. So it is nice to see some other, uh, the, uh women recognized for some of their work this year. You're right. I, I want to say, I don't have this specific fun fact or stat in front of me, but I want to say that this year was the the year with the most first-time acting nominees than ever before. Mm. Like, even look at the best actor. I think all of those people for best actor are first-time nominees. And, of course, this is my segue into going into this category. We're going into best well actor done. here. Yeah. The nominees are Austin Butler for Elvis, Colin Farrell for The Banshees of Sharon, Brendan Fraser for The Whale, Paul Meskel for After Sun, and Bill Nye for Living. Oh, this one's tough too, man. I, I think tough. that, yeah, I think it's a true two horse race. I feel like there's a dark horse third candidate. In my opinion, that dark horse third candidate would be Colin Farrell. I don't think yep. he's going to win. I would like to see him win. I love Colin Farrell. You know, you mentioned, you know, his work in uh, the Batman as well. So I thought that was, that was pretty cool. That's not what he's nominated here for, but ultimately as much as I like the Banshees, I don't know if his role was necessarily uh, best actor winning type role there he got a lot of early buzz like in the fall i think there was a lot of buzz mm -hmm. uh, for colin farrell at that time saying like hey you know this movie's pretty good uh colin farrell was the lead in it could he be someone that ends up winning this award ultimately we know the story uh surrounding brandon frazier and there's a lot of uh you know good vibes training towards him austin butler it's tough not to pick him because I mean, he's, uh, he plays Elvis in an Elvis movie. It just, it feels like they like these types of, uh, of best actor winners. Right. Um, you know, we, we saw it with the queen movie as well. It's just, this one's tough for me, Zach. I'm, I'm curious where you're going on this one. Maybe I'll just go the opposite to you, but I, I do feel like <laughs> it's a, it's a true two horse race between uh, Brendan Fraser and Austin Butler right now. Yeah. You're right that the, the Academy really loves biopics and yes. typically a biopic wins at least one award almost every year. I mean, when was the last time we saw four acting uh, wins that were not based on real people? I think the last time would have been like 2016. And then before that, you know, decades ago before that. So it very rarely happens. It's almost always a biopic that you know gets in with the win. And Austin Butler seems like the most likely biopic winner this year for Elvis and you know his star is rising he's getting all these opportunities he's going to be in Dune part two it feels like every time I turn around I'm seeing Austin Butler cast in this Austin Butler cast in that so he's getting a lot of opportunities he's super young he's the new it guy it, it seems but I'm not going with Butler honestly oh. I'm gonna go with the Renaissance um <laughs> which is Fraser's performance in the whale yeah. I just that's the reason you go watch that movie. It's like, but I mean, watching that movie is like watching uh, a dog die for two hours. So it's emotionally draining and very manipulative, but his performance is the best part of that fucking film. 
I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to go with Brendan Fraser too. The the Brennan the Renaissance. I love that. That's great. I'm I'm all in on that. And I I just like Brendan Fraser as well. Obviously, we know his story, some of the things he's gone through, mm-hmm. and it it just feels like that's going to 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 lean them towards giving him this award. It's the feel good story, and that's not to say he's not deserving as well. But I do think they like a, a feel good story. Get him up there on stage. Uh, I think there'll be a, a lot of tears as well for his speech if he does end up winning this one. So I'm going to go with uh, with Frazier. I think Austin Butler, like he gets the not the he's kind of a newer actor on the scene. He gets the the nomination. He plays Elvis. He plays it well. A lot of people saw the movie. Maybe a stepping stone for him to get nominated again in the future and possibly win an award. Uh, Frazier's been around for a long time. I think he I think he deserves this one. So I'm going to go with Frazier. But this one's tough, man. I, I think it really could go either way. Yeah, like it, it definitely could go Butler because there is so much steam. It seems like he's been picking up so much more steam in recent yeah. weeks. And and the whale has felt so forgotten. But then the whale two weeks ago did win the SAG award. And they've only not lined up, I want to say twice in recent memory that the, the SAG award didn't line up for best actor. And, yeah, you know, that's very rare. Austin Butler could become the third instance of it not lining up. But I do think Fraser takes it. But uh, back to Colin Farrell, who had a stellar 2022. He was in four movies last year, and all four of them gave phenomenal performances. Obviously, you had Banshees, which he's nominated for. But then he was also in The Batman as, as Oswald Oswald Cobblepot, the Penguin. And he did a phenomenal job under underneath all those prosthetics as him. I mean, there's no way I'll ever forget his line reading of, what are you showing me here? Hey, what are you showing me? Like, just phenomenal. And then you've got After Yang. And 13 Lives, the Ron Howard Amazon Prime film. So he had a stellar year last year. And just based on that resume alone, if he were to win, much deserved. I don't think Farrell has it. I think his best chance at winning that award was months ago. If the, if this, if the Oscars didn't wait so long, Colin Farrell would have had a better shot back in like January. So it's it's gone now for him. It's between you just Butler made me think and Fraser. You just made me think of something kind of interesting, which would be, I know, and I know this will probably never happen. They already have so many awards and they have a tough time packing it into like three, three and a half hours, but there, there should be an award for like an actor and an actress for body of work for an entire year. Like you just mentioned four pieces of work that Colin Farrell was in, right? Some of them smaller Mm -hmm. roles, like his role in the Batman, others lead roles like this one in the Banshees of Inishir. And like, if you were in four or five movies or shows throughout the course of the year and you were good in all of them, like there should be an award for that. Like who, who had the best year, not necessarily the best performance, but who had the best year. I think that would be a, a pretty cool award at the Oscars. Yeah, no, I I agree. But before we get that award, we need to get to, we need to convince them to add best stunt, best stunt work Ooh, needs like to be that. added to the Oscars because yeah. Top Gun Maverick would have definitely won this year. But then you've got like sure. next year we would we would have John Wick in the conversation, uh, which would probably inevitably win. But the, or Mission Impossible, geez, that comes out this year too. So I just feel like stunt work. People are putting their lives on the line here, and some of the stunts you want you see in movies are so outstanding. You're like, how do they pull this off? Like, oh my god! And you want to watch the behind the scenes featurettes. It just seems like a category that that really deserves more respect at the Academy Awards. Yeah. I'm all for it. Like I'm all for more awards. I know they talk about shortening the awards and you know trying to jam it in. Make it five hours for me. Like I get it once yeah. a year. It's like the Super Bowl for me. I I I don't need to go to bed. It started started at eight o'clock Eastern, ended at two in the morning. For all I care, I'm exactly. I'm here to see more awards. I'm not trying to get out of there fast. Oh my God, I'm with you 100. Yes, exactly. I don't care how long it is. This is my this is our Super Bowl, man. Yes. Yeah. All right. We got two more awards left to cover here. 
I know there's going to be a bigger discussion on Best Picture, so we'll get through directing quickly here. Nominees are for directing. The Banshees of Anna Sharon's Martin McDonough. Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Daniels. The Fablemans, Steven Spielberg. Tar, Todd Field. And Triangle of Sadness, Ruben Ostland. What do you think? I think it's going to go to the Daniels. Yeah. Uh, everything Everywhere All at Once. Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert. Uh, I... It's it's tough. Like whenever Spielberg's in a category, uh, and you know a movie as big as The Fablemans was, it's hard to not look there. And obviously, Martin McDonough's in this as well. Like a couple of big big names in this category, and I think a lot of people are going to be drawn to those names. And you know, maybe you get a lot of people in pools that are like, "Hey, Spielberg's in a directing category. Like, how am I not picking Spielberg?" And I, it's hard to really fault that way of thinking. But I just think that this is the stepping stone to everything, everywhere, all at once. And I, I've mentioned this a few other times with other awards towards it winning Best Picture. So, yeah, I'm going to go there. I feel like you're going there as well. I know it's your number one movie of the year. I'm going to go with the uh, the Daniels, the two Daniels to win the uh, the Best Director Award here. If Steven Spielberg couldn't beat Jane Campion last year for Power of the Dog when he did West Side Story, he's not winning for the Fablemans. That's, yeah. my, that's my brutally honest yeah. opinion. So it's the Daniels 100%. 100%. The only the only person they have to worry about is Spielberg, and that's only because people people would give it to him because he made a movie about his own life. So I don't think Fablemans wins, which oddly enough, if it doesn't win here, I don't think it fucking wins any of the categories, which means it's going to be another one of those movies like Banshees where it could end up getting shut out completely. Yeah. Well, and this would be back-to-back years, I think, that Spielberg nominated but doesn't necessarily win. Is there something to that that says maybe like, Okay, hey, we we maybe didn't necessarily think it was the best directing performance, but you've got such a big name. Like, we want to have Spielberg at the show. We want to have his name on the card. Like, people know who Spielberg is, but we don't want to give him the award. We want to reward somewhere else, someone else. We want to prop yeah. up other directors. And we've seen a couple of female winners over the last couple of years, which I think has been uh, great. Chloe Zhao for Nomadland. You mentioned mm-hmm. Jane Campion for Power of the Dog last year as well. So I think that's been great. Obviously, we're going to go back to a, a male winner here because of the nominees that, that we have. But I think there's something to that, that, hey, Spielberg made a movie. So let's just uh, let's just toss him a, a nomination. Now, if I'm not mistaken, uh, with the Daniels winning this award, Daniel Kwan will become one of the I, I know Ann Lee and Ang, Ang Lee. Geez, sorry about the mispronunciation there. Ang Lee has won this award before. So an Asian-American has won this award. So Daniel Kwan would become yeah. one of the very few Asian-Americans that have won this award. And I leave for life deserving. of pie, right? That was, that was, yeah, that's a good one too. I haven't seen life of pie in a long time. All right. So we're both agreeing on Daniel. So we will just move yeah. on to the, the award to end all awards tonight. We finally made it. We're an hour and like 50 minutes into the podcast, but it's always long when we come to bed when, when it's Oscar season. So here it is. Best picture, 10 nominees. We've got all quiet on the Western front, avatar, the way of water, the banshees of any Sharon, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, Triangle of Sadness, and Women Talking. You want to lead us off here? I feel like your movie is the uh, the front runner for this category. So yeah, stellar lineup, as was said earlier in the show when I said maybe I would replace Triangle of Sadness with Nope, but I digress. Past that, I am going everything, everywhere, all at once. And let me tell you why. It is the most awarded film ever. And this is before the Oscars, by the way. 
So before the Oscars have even happened, Everything Everywhere All at Once has already racked up 158 accolades across all major critics, organizations, and award bodies, which beats the previous record holder, which was Lord of the Rings Return of the King with 101. My movie. And it beat it by 57 awards before the Oscars even happened. How dare they? Unbelievable. So very clear favorite. I am going with Everything Everywhere All at Once here. Obviously, it was my personal favorite movie of the year. I literally thought it was a shot in hell that this movie would end up getting nominated at the Oscars. I thought it was too wacky for it to get any of the recognition that it did end up getting. It just seems so unprecedented, and I just couldn't have predicted any of this. Yeah, so they they go with the full 10 uh, this year in terms of of nominees, and they did last year as well. I believe the year before that, they went with eight uh, when Nomadland won, and I think when Parasite won, there was nine. So they haven't always used uh, the the full 10. They did use the 10 last year. They did use the 10 this year. I'm going to expect them to continue to use the 10 because I just think that it recognizes other movies, right? I think- Mm -hmm. To me, this category it got a little bit messy this year. I think there's a lot of fat on this one in terms of movies that I just don't think have a chance. And, you know, you mentioned taking out Triangle of Sadness to put in another movie that you think is deserving. And you said nope. And maybe other people have a, a movie that they would like to see in there as well. I think there's some movies that don't necessarily have to be in here that are in here. And ultimately, I think everything everywhere all at once is going to win this. I think I actually think they're the biggest favorite in best picture in a long time going into the award show. And we've seen odds flip like I had a I had a big bet last year, Zach, on Coda to win. Mm -hmm. And I I jumped on Coda early, like it was a couple months before the awards. And I thought this could gain some steam and ultimately got a good number. And it won. That's not the case this year. I wasn't able to find any good value on the awards. And I just think that everything everywhere all at once is going to run away with this. Obviously, there's a case to be made for All Quiet on the Western Front because it picked up the BAFTA. And I think when that happened, a lot of it turned a lot of heads, right? Myself included to think, oh, okay, like, maybe we have something here. But I just think everything everywhere all at once is going to win some key awards throughout the night. That's just going to ultimately lead to a a best picture win. And it's kind of crazy because look, when I saw the movie, I know it's your number one movie. I thought like, Oh, this was a a really creative, fun movie and it could get a nom for best picture. I just thought it was a little, it was a little too out there, too crazy for them to to give it the best picture. Like I never walked away from that movie thinking, Oh, it's going to win. So I'm glad we're here and we're talking Oscars and it it actually does look like it's going to win because I never really looked at it as a best picture winner when I saw the movie. Yeah, no, it's, it seemed so out there as a choice, like everything you just said and everything I said before, like when I saw it, I was utterly blown away. The last time I remember watching a movie like this and feeling the way that I felt was the eternal sunshine of the spotless mind with Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet. I don't know why it's the first thing I thought of when I, when I exited, I exited the theater and I just thought, wow, like that movie broke my heart. This movie, this movie broke my heart. All right. So like I'm going with everything ever all at once, but shout outs to like pretty much everything here. I think the only film that has a chance at beating everything ever all at once is going to be all quiet on the Western front solely because of the BAFTA, but also because it was the second most nominated film this year, along with Banshees of a Sharon, the Fablemans would have been my runner up pick, but I don't think Spielberg has kept up the momentum going into this awards season. You know, it kind of peaked yeah. at the Golden Globes. Yeah, there were moments throughout the course of the last couple of months that people thought Fablemans might be in the mix. Like uh, you mentioned All Quiet on the Western Front having a chance. It is the second favorite right now if there was if it was going to go somewhere else. I, I, I like the Banshees. I think the Banshees, you know, maybe it's between that and All Quiet on the Western Front for me as my favorite movies of the year out of this group. 
But if it's not going to win anything leading up to best picture, I don't think it's just randomly going to win best picture. Right. So keep an eye on it though. Like if, if you start to see the band, if Banshees picks up a screenplay or it picks up a, an acting award or something like that, maybe change your pick if you can for best picture, because those could be the stepping stones for Banshees to create an upset in this category. So I would certainly keep an eye out for that. The, the one I kind of want to see, like I'm not cheering against everything everywhere all at once. I think it's deserving. I think it'd be really cool to see it win. I would love to see Top Gun Maverick win, Zach. I just think that would be amazing. Oh my God, uh, same. You know, yeah, action movie. We talked about it kind of saving cinema and it was just this great theater experience. I would just love to see a movie like that win. Like, is it cheesy? Absolutely. It's But it's the perfect amount of cheese. And I just, I think it's great. And it's not normally the type of movie that even gets nominated, let alone wins Best Picture. So I back of my mind, I'm sneaky hoping Top Gun Maverick pulls it off. I highly doubt it, but I think that would be, that's kind of one of my wishes for uh, for Oscar night. If, I, if there is going to be a surprise, give Top Gun Maverick Best Picture. You know, people say like the Fablemans was about this, like, you know, it was about the love of movies and the magic that movies have on you. But at the same time, Top Gun Maverick is also kind of about that. Yeah. Like there's this, there's a subtext there to be said that it's with, with Maverick's character being this old dog and wanting to do things the old way. And Tom Cruise being very open about the fact that he wanted to do things practically. And the, the film itself is kind of a rumination on Tom Cruise's beliefs on the theatrical experience. And I feel like maybe some some of the Academy Awards voters picked up on that and go, you know what? Yeah. There's a clear respect for the theater-going experience and just film love in general with Top Gun Maverick that maybe it could uh, lend itself some more votes from Academy voters for Best Picture. And, and I honestly, if it were to sneak in and win, like last second, you just don't see a comment at it, you know, it just picks up a few of those few of those like technical awards along the way and then picks up Best Picture at the end. I would not be disappointed. I think Top Gun has earned that as the first one of the first blockbusters to to win this award. Yeah, it would be pretty cool. And, uh, you know, just a surprise that it's even nominated. Like, it's kind of crazy to think of where we've gotten to from when I heard Top Gun was coming out that they were making a sequel to. Now we're actually talking about it as not only being nominated for Best Picture, but it's the fourth favorite. Like, it's not at the bottom of the of the betting board. If someone's going to upset everything everywhere all at once, I think there's a group of three. It's either All Quiet on the Western Front, Banshees of Inishirin, or Top Gun Maverick. So, like we can't say it has no chance. I do think that there is a little bit of a chance here that it could sneak in there and actually take this one home. Ultimately, it's not what I would be picking if I was doing uh, any sort of pool, but <clears throat> I think it would be uh, pretty fun to see uh, a movie like that recognized. But I'm I'm just glad it's nominated. I think that's enough mm -hmm. for me to see it nominated, hopefully pick up a couple technical awards. Like you mentioned there, Zach, I think uh, that's a step in the right direction to getting some of these movies. Like a, a movie doesn't necessarily, like it's fine if it's cheesy. It's fine if it's a little over the top with the action. That's what the movie was supposed to be. If If that's what you're aiming to be and you pull it off and you do it well, then I think you deserve to be uh, recognized for that. That's the exact criteria that every movie should be judged on. What was it attempting to do? And did it do a good yeah. job at that? Yes. And I feel like you shouldn't put your own feelings of what you wanted it to be on it. It should be you critiquing it on what it was, not what you would like it to be. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the problem. Like when you, when you go back and I, I do this all the time, right? You like an old movie and, um, that, that you love, that you just think is so funny and ends up actually having a bit of a cult following maybe 15, 20 years after it came out. And you go back and you look at the critics score and you look at the, the ratings, it's like 25% or 30% and everybody hated it because 
they wanted it to be something that it wasn't. But in, exactly. in, at the end, it was exactly what it wanted to be, right? And it was silly. And yeah, there's a bit of cheese and maybe some bad humor in there as well. But I, I think ultimately, not every movie is going to be artsy and have like this hidden message. Sometimes it's just kind of in your face. And Top Gun to me was very much just in your face action and sound, you know, coming through the screen and you feel like you're like, I was almost gripping my seat at times watching that movie. When, I, when, when have you ever been in a theater and you're like legit gripping your seat, right? And you're kind of like sweating and the, the hair standing up on the back of your neck. It was, it was pretty cool to have a movie actually do that. When it comes to Top Gun Maverick, the last time I ever felt something like that, um, vividly in a movie was literally oblivion which weirdly enough stars tom cruise and was directed by joseph kosinski the director of maverick wow. so you look back at some of that earlier work and that earlier collaboration between the two of them and you see so much of the so much of the reason why tom cruise and jerry bruckheimer chose joseph kosinski to direct top gun maverick like you can see yeah. the potential they saw in him even if you're looking at Tron Legacy, but I think especially Oblivion, especially the flying sequences in Oblivion, like those dogfights in Oblivion are phenomenal. I rewatched that movie recently, and it's a like aside from like cinematography and stellar special effects, like the way that he directed that movie is in my mind like that's the reason why he was chosen for Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, no, I I think so, and obviously, I mean they 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 crushed it. They nailed it out of the park with this movie. It it checked all the boxes for me, and it's. To me, it's what the movie theater going experience is supposed to be. But, you know, kind of bringing it back to the favorite here, that's yeah. what everything everywhere all at once was for me, too. Like, I I didn't know what I was getting into when I went to go see that movie. But like what a theater experience that was. I, I'm just like, man, this is so crazy. Like, where are they going next? And very creative and out, sort of an out there movie. They took a chance. And I think it really worked. Like, you know, everybody that I've talked to in diff- picks up diff- something different from that movie. So deserves to win best picture. I, you know, I think it will ultimately win best picture but um as i've said always follow the awards leading up to best picture and sometimes you can uh, maybe pick up uh some some tips that maybe things could get a little crazy mm-hmm. all right so i think that's settled i think everything ever all at once we're both agreeing on best picture honestly yeah. how many of the how many of these awards did we line up on let me do a count here one two three four five six seven eight nine 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. We lined up on 15 of the awards tonight. Okay. Not maybe not as honestly, not as many as I thought. I thought with there's with there being more chalk this year that we would line up on a lot of them, but actually going through it with you, there's a there's a few really close awards this year, which I'm Mm -hmm. I'm happy about. I think that makes pools a lot more fun. You're gonna have, you know, eight or nine awards where people are gonna have different answers. And I think that's gonna make it a a lot of fun this year yep exactly man well that does it for us for the oscar preview show we'll be back for the oscar recap next week after the show airs jake thank you for coming on for the preview show once again our annual fucking oscar show we do it every year almost every year since i've since we've met we've done this yes Oh man, it's my, it's my favorite time of the year. It really is. I know once I'm talking to you, like the juices get flowing. There's some years where maybe I haven't seen all the movies or I I get busy, you know, it's hockey season for me as well. You know, I cover hockey, so I got to be kind of locked in on that and it's trade deadline and, you know, golf season as well. I'm, I'm really into golf. And then once I talk to you and we break it down, it really gets the juices flowing and I get excited. So I absolutely can't wait for Sunday and I I can't wait to break it down with you after as well. That's also one of my favorite times of the year. And I can't wait to see if we have any more live mishaps happen. Oh. We had, you know, in the last four or six years, we've had the La La Land Moonlight mix up. We've yes. had Will Smith slap the living shit out of Chris Rock. And we've had 
Anthony Hopkins beat Chadwick Bozeman when they set up a clear Bozeman victory one year. So there's, yep. it feels like we always have something interesting to talk about. So there's going to be something, hopefully something goes wrong this Sunday. Yeah. I think yeah, what's it going to be that because last year I remember watching it and it being relatively boring, like nothing was happening. And I'm like, Hey, what's going to be the big moment. Okay. It kind of looks like it's just going to come and go. And then bank the slap out of nowhere. And it's all everybody was talking about for like two weeks after that award show. So yeah, let's, uh, let's kind of sit back, enjoy the night, watch some hardware get handed out and see who gets slapped this year. Yeah. You, you, you could not have predicted that slap to happen last year. Unbelievable. So hopefully we yeah. get another moment that you just could not have seen coming. Uh, but anyways, thank you so much for stopping by, brother. Yeah, you're the best, buddy. Talk to, talk to you soon. No, you're the best. Thanks, everybody, for listening. See you next time.